0: Joe Rogan Podcast, check it out. The Joe Rogan
1: Experience.
0: Train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night. All day.
1: It's got like a lot of freedom. Like their 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 ethos here, the way they look at things. Like they're not interested in the government telling them what to do. Like I gotta tell you, you know, I'm
0: standing I was standing downtown and uh, I never saw homelessness here. I I, I saw people like working a lot of jobs but now i mean what i what i saw when i was downtown it's like i hadn't seen homelessness like like this in texas
1: ever no it's a new thing yeah. it's the 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 government here changed the laws in terms of like allowing people to camp out and so they camp out under underpasses and all that kind of stuff have you been to la recently um not recently L- la insane yeah but la's always been that way never but, like this though never oh, like this
0: I've never seen a that's never seen Texas like this oh yeah Texas have always seemed like they had jobs and people were working I, I've never seen this before
1: well the covid lockdowns affected everywhere and I think it affected here less than it affected la but I think the real thing is you know I mean it's it's mental health, right? That's the yeah, real reason that's most it. of those that's folks it. are out there. That's they it. really need care. That's it. And then, you know, you've got a lot of drug addicts, and you've got a lot of mental health, which brings up your book. Yeah. Drug Use for Grown Ups. Drug Use for Grown Ups, man. First of all, it's great to see you again. You it's been too. a while. How long has it been? Uh, about five, six years, Jeez. man. I didn't realize. The world keeps spinning.
0: Yeah, you know, I didn't realize it was that that, that long, man. I, I, actually, I was trying, like, trying not to... Just being the public for the sake of being in the public I mm-hmm. always want to make sure I got something to say and um, but really I miss you I mean I, I miss, I miss being too. here and I really dig what you do and the people you bring on people some people don't like them but I, I really the space you created. thank you thank my you. pleasure yeah. thank you yeah.
1: yeah well you know it's a weird uh, thing to be able to just talk to people you know that and then the whole world listens like what do you got to say yeah what, what's this person have to say what's you, this about you know was remarkable for me is that um
0: you're a comedian right that's what you, you were uh and the comedians have been our sort of saviors you know of all people in our society that's who we look to the comedians because they can tell the truth like so it's, it's so nice to see uh louis ck coming back you know yeah. these people coming back um Bill Burr, I just love the shit that he's doing. I mean, you know, uh, we're not for the comedians. We really be fucked up. No, <laughs> well, thank you. I, I mean, there's a
1: lot of scared people out there, and I think the comedians aren't as scared. But there's a few that are scared. I, I think a lot the of them are scared.
0: Ones. I mean, when, it, when that stuff happened to Louis C.K., they, they all kind of went quiet.
1: Yeah. And that was really stupid.
0: You know, mm-hmm. I mean, um, and I was expecting more of them to stand up, and they didn't, so
1: well there was a bunch of different narratives right and if louis wasn't talking you know all louis did was like release a statement but if you weren't talking to him you didn't get his version of it once i talked to him personally i got his version i'm like well this is a very different version than what you're hearing from from the public and from the, the people that are making the worst uh judgments on it like what what it was mostly was He's kind of a pervert and he asked if he could jerk off in front yeah. of them and he had already been flirting with these girls and he knew them and they'd, this wasn't, yeah. like, they had made it seem like he was a monster. Like, yeah. It was like cornering people and jerking off in front of them. I mean, but even that's hard to like, like cancel somebody. It's like, you can just walk the fuck away. I, I don't <laughs> understand this. Yeah. Well, it was a man in power. And uh, this was post Matt Lauer and post Harvey Weinstein. And, you know, there was all this. Yeah, I know. yeah, yeah the context, context. Yeah, the context okay, is interesting. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's a. It's good and bad, right? It's like good that people are, like Harvey Weinstein are held accountable, but it's it's bad that people get scared. And then it's yeah. also bad that you have crazy people who can just accuse someone of something and everyone says, well, hashtag believe all women. Exactly. And you're like, are you and, sure? Yeah, all of that, them. Exactly. Cause like, let's <laughs> slow down. Like you going to believe Casey Anthony. You're going to be like, there's a lot like who are you believing?
0: Well, that's why we need the comedians yeah.
1: to speak up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a, uh, it's a unique time in this world. You know, I mean, we're experiencing uh, like in many ways, the deterioration of our appreciation for government deterioration for our, our, our uh, just civil society is, is in danger right now. It's y- crazy. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things that
0: like really has forced me to seek um, uh, residence in another country because...
1: Uh, you were saying you're in Switzerland now, huh?
0: Yeah, between Switzerland and New York, um, it's just that... We have to do a better job of treating people better. I mean, uh, or caring for people, or people who are not our family, uh, just other human beings. Even if you're not taking care of them, uh, you got to at least care about people. And yeah. it's okay to not care about people. That's some fucked up shit. And that's coming from the highest levels of government. And it's, just, it's like, I don't like that ethos. And so I don't want to be around it because I don't want to... I don't want it to, uh, to to infect or poison me. Mm. Do, do you feel like it has affected or poisoned you? Of course it does. You know, it makes you it makes me you know angry. Um, uh, f- for people who like support Trump, for example, um, they're all not racist, of course, and, and this sort of thing. But I don't understand how people can support a guy who's so mean spirited and just. Uh, um, just attacks other people. I don't understand it. And so when, when my, my good friends, I have good friends who support Trump, uh, it's hard for me to talk to them um, uh, because I don't want to be rude or angry with them. But I just don't understand how you support people who are just
1: mean to other people. I don't understand that. I mm. just don't get it. I understand. Yeah, I think the people that support them, there's, there's uh, people that I know that are military people <clears throat> that support them. Now, I'm ex and military they, too. Now, yeah. I, was,
0: I was a cop in the military. So I, I, I know the military as well.
1: Yeah, their, their take on it is just that he released the, the shackles that the military had to go and take down ISIS. And he released some of the restrictions that the military had under the previous administration as far as engaging with terrorists. Like They've shut down ISIS in like less than a year from Trump being in office. And when I talk to people that are active military, they said there was a night and day difference between the way the military was funded, the way... Oh, I'm you know, sorry, I don't know about that. I just don't know mm, that. I just- yeah. I don't know enough about that, but I agree with you in terms of like one of the best things about someone like uh like, well see we it's we have to see what happens with Biden because I can't imagine he's gonna last. We were talking about this. I just yeah. I feel like it, this is a I feel like it's it's yeah he's it's he's sleight the, of hand. He's <laughs> the Walking Dead. Yeah, I mean
0: look, come on, yeah. Now. Joe's been dead for some time, but
1: yeah. You know. But when Obama was in office, Obama's a statesman, right? He's an eloquent speaker. You hear him talk and you're like, well, that guy's definitely smarter than me. Yeah. It seems like a person that should be president. Yeah. What Trump did. Even when, though
0: you might disagree with some of his policies. Yeah. But yeah. But he certainly
1: seems smarter. Presidential. And he's presidential and not attacking people. Yeah. Uh, I think that what Trump represented to a lot of people was like this deviation from this system that never supported them, that never served them. They felt like politicians were all full of shit and finally this guy's going to come in and, and, you know, even his ideas like clean up the swamp, like this motto. Like that, oh yeah, that's what we need, that's what we need. So they got behind it. And then when they realized, whenever there's an us versus them situation, people oftentimes aren't thinking clearly, they just pick a side. I'm with you, Joe, I feel you. But when we think about
0: uh, Trump um, and the system um, not for them, Mm -hmm. let's just think about like fucking black America when has the system been for black America? You know, so it's like, it's always been that way in terms of black America, and that's fine. And you just work, and, and you work, and you work, and you try to make the system work for you. But you don't say that we're going to take our country down and burn this bitch down. I mean, you don't do that, or you don't hate, you can't go hate other people because of that. And so, like, when people say that the system is now not working for them, I get it. I feel the same way. And we should work together to see if we can make this thing work for us. You don't isolate yourself and then isolate other people or attack other people. Because what happens is, like, I know those jobs went away in middle America, those factory jobs. I know that. In the automobile industry, in the paper mills, all those, they went away. And people, uh, they're suffering. I get it. But the reason for their suffering Uh, They are misattributing them. And and people like Trump exploits that sort of thing and uh, manipulates these people and uses these people to do their bidding because Trump doesn't give a fuck about those people. As you know, he doesn't give a fuck about them. He despises those people. It's like, I
1: care more about those people than he does. And that's the shit that just blows my mind. Yeah, it's manipulative. It's... uh, but that's what he had to do to get into office i know and you he know, did he, it a, he did it well he had to be a populist billionaire <laughs>
0: he did it well. i know a populist billionaire I, that's the shit just blows my mind yeah i mean this recent thing where uh those folks went to the capitol when they were standing up on his behalf and then he throws them under the
1: bus yeah he threw them all under the bus after it was over yeah it's crazy no, the, I watched a video of it I had not seen much video of it yeah. I'd only seen like a couple of videos on Instagram I was like what the fuck I didn't want to get depressed and watch yeah, it I But today you. I said let's get depressed And I watched a bunch of it I, I had no idea how bad it was yeah. In terms of like the the sheer number of people Like storming the gates and screaming And a small handful of cops That were yeah. supposed to protect it yep. And that one cop that got beaten yep. There was like a video of them hitting the cop with flags and shit Yep it's like what the fuck like what how did that happen how did it deteriorate to that i know man it's um it's really sad to me that
0: that that kind of thing happened and then you have these fucking cowards rudy giuliani <laughs> uh ted cruz uh josh howley all these cowards they are allowed to stand on their pulpit and 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 say these things like they're tough But they're nowhere around to support these folks in the first place, and they're sending them into the battle. And now they will uh, uh, comfortably comfortably join the ranks of their members of Congress while these other people are going to go to jail and have these these charges, Uh, which they should have, of course. But um, uh, these leaders who manipulated them, there's no consequences to them. I mean, I think that's the real crime.
1: Yeah, well, we'll see if there's consequences, because I, I have a feeling there will be for Trump. I think this is going to be the end. I really do. Because I think there's, uh, there's very little chance that he's going to run in 2024 after this, because a lot of people were hoping for that. A lot of his supporters were hoping for that. But after this, I don't I don't even think.
0: Yeah, I think the useful yeah. idiot is done. I mean, yeah. I think like the people like Mitch McConnell and those people, they don't have no more use for him. So he's done. Yeah. I mean, he's already he's done enough for them. They're they're happy with what he's done. He's
1: delivered with the Supreme Court and so forth. His time is over. It's interesting to see. You know, we've always known that there's a certain faction of this country that's fairly simple, like n- not that sophisticated, not very smart. And they like thinking in like a real narrow box. And this guy came along and was their guy, you know. And then we realized like, oh, like the assholes of this country were unrepresented. And now all of a sudden they got represented. Like there was a lot of people, like a lot of those folks that stormed the castle, that stormed Capitol Hill. Like if you see like when they get arrested and you find out who they are, like guy living with his mom, believing QAnon conspiracies, thinks the FBI is sending out pedophile codes, that kind of shit. Like those guys didn't have a king before. What you about, realize how many of them there are.
0: But what about the guy who was, I don't know, a, laternic, a, lat, a retired laternic, lieutenant colonel from the uh, Army or the Air Force? I mean, so there are people there who also had education and they were plugged into society, right? There were a number of those people too, right? I'm sure there was a few, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, um, um, I, I, you know, I, I think most of us are simple people. And and that's okay. I think you should be able to be simple and have a decent life and, and enjoy yourself. I think that there's no crime there. I think that's fine. The real problem is that we allow our leaders to lie and then you can manipulate. Even the most sophisticated among us can be manipulated. And I think that's the real crime. So it's like, not that
1: these people were simple. It's okay to be simple. Um, maybe simple is the wrong word. Maybe assholes was the right word. There's a lot of people that are assholes. Oh, and there was true. never a guy who, who said it's okay to be an asshole. But do I'm you, an asshole too. Do you, think, do you think that the majority of these people were assholes? I think they could be assholes if they were led the right way. But can't most of yeah. us be assholes, I think, at the worst moments of your life? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I think so, but... Yeah. But, you know, I think that when you have, I'm telling you, man, uh, I'm putting this square on those people in Washington. Trump is one of them, of course. But I'm, I'm talking about the Ted Cruz's and all of those people as well. I mean, those people, uh, they should be they should face uh, uh, the criminal justice system for what they did, um, because these folks who are out here, we all have the potential to be assholes. And then if you think that what you're doing is holding up the liberty that we we promise in this country, that you are being a real patriot and you really believe that you've been manipulated to do that by these leaders, they should pay the price. And that's the thing that's really I'm, I'm really disturbed by It's like, yeah, we'll we, we we should get Trump. yep, absolutely. But we should go after those other people. As well, well. I don't know.
1: What, what did Ted Cruz do that?
0: Oh, with the uh, election. Um, why, oh, were you saying that the election fraud? Election fraud. When he knew that he knew what time it was. Those guys, um, they know they were
1: being dishonest. I think it's a political ploy, right? There's uh, politicians take stances based on where they think their constituents lean, and you know, stop the steal and all that was trending on all these social media sites. Yeah, and I feel like. For a a prominent politician that's a a manipulative person that looks at these things and goes, that's an angle that I can use. You're absolutely right, Joe.
0: Uh, That's exactly what politicians do. And we should expect more of them. And until we do, they're going to continue to do that bullshit when they know that is bullshit. And so you're right. That's what politicians do. So you think,
1: So what do, you, what do you think they were trying to do? Do you think just posturing to try to get those people on their side for the future? That's right. I think that Ted Cruz
0: and those folks were setting themselves up for a future presidential run or mm. what have you and hoping that they get Trump, the kingmaker, to endorse them, even though— Trump called his wife ugly, I would have beat Trump's ass. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you. I mean, it's like, what kind of man d- allows that to happen? He call him Lion Ted? Yeah, I mean, yeah. But what kind of
1: man allows another guy to call his wife ugly and not do anything? Didn't he also infer that he was a serial killer or something? His dad? His dad. Zodiac killer, that's yeah, right. His yeah, his dad
0: helped kill Kennedy
1: or something, he said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but
0: what, what kind of man
1: does that? I mean, I yeah. d- allows that. I mean, I don't understand that. Well, what kind of man wants to be a senator? You know, it's it's a weird business. Um, and you get deeply entrenched in that business, and there's compromises that you make and a lot of weirdness. I, I understand, but, you know, like, what kind of person want to be president? That's fine. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to do that, but
0: I'm glad there are people that, that do it. And the thing is, I think we should require them to be more honorable than we do. We certainly should. And and, and so, like, when when people are posturing politically, when they know— that there is no, that this is just, uh, there's no oppor- there's no chance that this election can be overturned because it, there's no fraud, I think they should pay a price. I think that is just too manipulative. But, and I think their position requires that they be more honest. Mm. Uh, and until we do, until we require them, re- require them this of them, then I think that they
1: uh, will continue. I think there's a, a, a style of behavior that lends itself to success, like business success and financial success, and it's like a speed style, like people that are into amphetamines and people that are into like getting ahead and pushing. And, and I think that there's a, a style of behavior that leads itself to be compassionate thinking more about community and i think that is more like a marijuana style or a mushroom style you think and so I th- yeah i do well, try some of that C- i will cbd pineapple jalapeno drink <laughs> <laughs> no i think i think a lot of these people that are i mean i look i'm a big proponent of psychedelics use and a lot of times people think that that's uh, frivolous that's a silly thing it's an escape thing i don't really think it is I think it, it seems silly and frivolous for people that have never engaged in it. But I think that one of the things that could be the savior of this civilization, and I really believe this, is the legalization of psychedelic drugs. Because I think if we had more people taking psychedelic drugs responsibly, and especially under the direction of real professionals, if we allowed there to be real professionals, we would allow people to have these experiences that dissolve their ego and give them this feeling of community and compassion. That I think a lot of those people that storm Capitol Hill, a lot of people like Ted Cruz, a lot of people that run for government and manipulate people—they have no experience in these things. They don't. They don't know what that is. They don't know what those feelings are. They don't. They, they, they've never had that kind of experience.
0: Yeah. Um- so uh, when you say psychedelics, what drugs are you classifying? Because you know the classification can be um, misleading and mm-hmm. also not consistent. So what, what drugs are you thinking of? I think
1: mushrooms are a big one. So psilocybin. Psilocybin. Yeah. Even psilocybin, mm-hmm. just microdosing, yeah. I think it save a lot of people's yeah. future and just alter the course of the way they behave. Well, I check it out. I agree with you about... Um, Drugs
0: being um, useful and helpful to, for people to be certainly empathetic and understand yeah. other people's plight. Uh, but I wouldn't limit it to what we call psychedelics. You know, like we think about something like MDMA, mm-hmm. it's an amphetamine. Um, oh, it's true, right. Yeah. And then we think about something like heroin. How is that an amphetamine, though? What is it? How does MDMA work? Uh, see this chemical structure here? Yeah. This is methamphetamine. Uh, is it really? Yeah. And,
1: and so if you want to make... <laughs> Very uh, few people like yourself are walking around with meth shirts on. <laughs> I always say that one of the things about meth is there's no meth advocates. Well, uh, I guess I am. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 so what?
0: if you want to make MDMA, all you do is put a, another ring, a methylene-dioxy ring, and mm-hmm. then that's MDMA. Really? So MDMA is called methylene dioxy methamphetamine. That's what it's called. That's the That's the name. And um, certainly people know about MDMA's reputation in terms of increasing empathy yeah. and understanding and all those things. So that, but it's not a psychedelic. It's an In the classic sense. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a, it's a, it's, same can happen with methamphetamine. Right. The same can happen with heroin. Depends on dose and all those sorts of things. Yeah. And, and if you've been to places like Burning Man and those festivals, and so you see all of those people and they're caring they're sharing they're doing all of these kinds of things yeah um but those some of those same people go out into the world after that experience and they misbehave and they act like assholes yeah and so uh, some of them
1: some of them that's right no that's right some of them but it it doesn't have like a i think it has some effect on their thought process and their their understanding of the range of experiences that human beings can have absolutely I, i'm a proponent yeah i'm, I'm like no you. i know you are Don't, i'm with you you wrote a book on it yeah yeah I'm <laughs> <laughs> drug use for for grown-ups chasing liberty in the land of fear yeah no absolutely man i unlike me though you're a doctor you uh, actually get respect like, yeah it makes sense you uh, know what you're talking about
0: we'll see if i get respect with this book because in this book i'm 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 making the case that you're making. I'm saying that uh, as grown-ups, you should uh, fight for your your right, your liberty to use drugs. Yes. Um, for this reason that you're talking about, um, helping people to be more magnanimous, empathetic, giving, giving understanding, and all of these things. But I'm arguing that uh, drugs like heroin should be included there. Cocaine should be included there, along with the psychedelics. Um, and so I agree with you, but I also understand that it has a lot to do with context, like where the drugs are being used, with who you're using it with. And it also has a lot to do with who's using the drugs. So that the book is called Drug Use for Grownups for a reason. Yeah, You got to be a grown up because if you, and being a grown up it's a difficult thing, as you know, you know, um, I have kids and I have these responsibilities and I got, I have to make sure that i'm a good model for them uh treat people well trying to teach them to treat people well um treat people well um a lot of people are not grown-ups and so uh if you add a drug to the mix uh you're not gonna all of a sudden have a grown-up right and so if people are responsible and grown-ups and empathetic oh drugs can really um enhance all of those things um and so the uh, uh, i just want to be clear that uh, you give a drug to an asshole no matter what drug you give you're still gonna have an
1: asshole there. <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> i think some drugs can scare the shit out of them maybe really make them reconsider why they're an asshole how do you like that pineapple jalapeno oh it's, it's good man good,
0: right not bad yeah, it's really
1: good not bad
0: you you know you remind me of a joke that uh neil brennan had you know like comedians they that That's who I listen to. I mean, I don't read. I listen to comedians, and that's how I get my knowledge, you know. (laughs) But Neil had a joke that said, like, you never hear anybody talking about, like, going to war after using cocaine or something like that. It was just a—I'm sorry, Neil. I fucked up your joke. But (laughs) but, but he he basically was saying, you feel so good, you don't hear these people going out saying that. We should uh, restrict uh, abortion or something of that nature, right? And so— there is something to that, right? When you're euphoric, mm-hmm. um, you don't want to go out and you don't want to uh, cause trouble. You don't want to um, uh, um, uh, be aggressive or get into a fight with many of these drugs. There is certainly something to that. Yeah. Um,
1: and, and, and so, um, yeah, I agree with you. I think there's a trend right now with people that are very ambitious to take amphetamines. It's a, it's a current trend that's being a- accentuated by Adderall. Um, I know uh, quite a few people that get that or all legally and they get it because of, uh, air quote, fatigue or, oh, I have ADHD or ADHD or whatever the fuck it is. You just like speed. You like being revved up all the time. I get it. You know, and if you're on a controlled version of this where you're, you know, you're not taking too much, but you're taking just enough, they're remarkably productive. And also just they can justify taking it because they've got a doctor who told them that it's okay. They yeah. wrote it down on a piece of paper. Look, this guy went to school. I got a little piece of paper. A little piece of paper says I'm good to go. And what's wrong with that? I'm sorry. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But it's 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 weird to me that those same people oftentimes would uh would frown upon the use of anything that creates deep introspective thought. Yeah. Like like mushrooms or yeah. L S D or yeah. Even MDMA.
0: I feel you. Um, but similarly, people who do alcohol do the same sort of thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's a drug. And, um, and yeah they mock other drugs. Right. Yeah. So it's hypocrisy. But you also get people who do psychedelics who, for example, um, um, don't think uh, they will besmirch something like PCP, which mm-hmm. is a psychedelic. And, um, but yet, uh, are proponents of ketamine. Right. Uh, and yeah. they are essentially the same drug. They,
1: PCP is the same as ketamine. Um, really?
0: Yeah. Uh, ketamine is made by um, modifying the PCP structure, basically. Uh, same same kind of drug, same effects
1: for the most part. Really? Yeah. PCP has the same effects as ketamine? Yep. I have, I have no experience in either one of them, but I know yeah. people that have taken ketamine and have these crazy psychedelic trips. Like I know, I know people that take ketamine for depression. Yeah, there's a mist that a friend of mine gets, and she pumps it into her nose. It's
0: recently approved a couple years ago for for depression. So that's
1: PCP. That's PCP. You hear that, Whitney? You're on PCP.
0: And you, (laughs) and and you know what we say about
1: PCP and the cops lore about superhuman strength and all all that's bullshit. But uh, you know, my friend was in a fight. He got his finger bitten off when he was on PCP he has his toe welded to where his finger is now his his right hand his his yeah. index finger was bitten off and so now that's his his second toe on his foot it's sewed in place and and curved so that he could punch people joe you got some wild ass friends bro <laughs> <laughs> he was my boxing coach shout out to joe you know man do you
0: you do the uh MMA thing and that sort of thing um And that's sanctioned, for example. So people can go out and knock people's head off. But drug use is not sanctioned.
1: Yeah, well, it's odd, right? Yeah. Because obviously, and mixed martial arts is very dangerous. It's a dangerous endeavor, as is BMX riding. Yep. as is uh, yep. Yep. fucking gymnastics, yep. man. You want to do flips right. off a of balance uh, beam? Uh, uh, weird uh, shit can go wrong. Right. I've seen videos. Right. But yeah.
0: you know, I think it's great that people have the skills and they train and they do that sort of thing, and it should be allowed. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying that that should be restricted. I think that's a great thing. Uh, people are allowed to do that. But the thing that I'm saying is that.
1: Wait a second.
0: Right. We want to look at drugs in the same context. You know why? Is it, why are drugs banned?
1: Yeah, you're, it's a good point. Because why is it legal to ride bulls, but it's not legal to do coke? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or uh, legal to hit somebody, knock
0: somebody's block off on a football field?
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Very dangerous for yeah. both parties. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird what we decide what you can and can't do.
0: Yeah, but there, it's rational. Well. Uh, there is a rationale to it. Yes. Right. So when we think about uh, drugs, let's just think about cocaine. That's uh, You and I, we always have good co- co- cocaine conversations. Uh, we should probably do some cocaine and have a conversation. That's Some, some good cocaine, of course, not anything that's like... Uh, I've
1: never done cocaine.
0: Are you serious? Yeah, never done it. Wait, no, I thought you got your start at the comedy store. I did. I thought that was cocaine central. There's
1: a lot of cocaine at the comedy store. I avoided it. When I was in high school My uh, good friend Had a cousin Who was selling coke And him and his girlfriend All they did was Do coke and hide They were They were in this fucking attic They were selling it And doing it And they were just like I'm not joking man They had an attic apartment They'd hide in the attic And I saw him like Wither away Stopped eating Shrunk he was just an addict. He was just constantly doing coke, and they were all weird. They're all like nice and nervous and sketchy. This is high school. Yeah, I was in high school. Yeah. He was a year or two, maybe two years older than me. Okay. So I believe this was. I was probably seventeen. He was nineteen at the time. Okay. And he was just off his rock, on coke. And I remember thinking, like, whatever that drug is, fuck that, because <laughs> it seemed like the people that that did it, they got hooked so easy. It was so they loved it so much. And it was hard to get, and, you know, girls would do things to get it from guys, and it was just, there was a a lot involved. Okay. That seemed, uh, I was afraid of drugs when I was young, because I had, uh, I, I was very insecure, and I had this burning desire to be successful. Yeah, right on. And I felt like drugs were for losers and people that wanted to escape reality. And so you I and I
0: we share this belief, by the way, yeah. this view. I mean, and that. So I agree. That's what I did. When what changed you? Um, what changed me was years of evidence of watching people giving drugs to people in a lab and watching them get high and seeing predominantly positive effects. Now this is now. I'm um, well into my 30s, 40s, and now 54. But over that long period of time, that's where I changed, though. So I'm not like somebody who came to this from high school, always liked drugs and thought of drugs. I was an athlete. I thought I was going to play professional basketball. So I'm like you. I was just like you. Like, nah, I don't want to be like those cats. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And uh, But then me actually giving drugs to people and studying their responses and then really checking out the history of why drugs are banned... And just seeing how we were, I was misled and manipulated and lied to. And now that I use all these drugs and think how uh, I'm a better person for it. My life has been enhanced because of it. Uh, My connection to my loved ones are a lot better. Um, But again, I'm a responsible grown up, right? I'm 54 years old and I know what I'm doing um so when we think about something like cocaine cocaine not the bullshit that people sell on the street that's been stepped on so like when you go to places like columbia and you go to the source and you get really good cocaine like columbia cocaine is about seven dollars a gram whereas in new york it could be anywhere from 60 to 100 dollars a gram um uh, and not as good as a product in Colombia. so you go to the source countries and you get good stuff um it could be a really good evening with you and your significant other, you know, and um, um, uh, all of these sort of stories of people being paranoid about the cops with cocaine. There are reasons to be paranoid if you're doing something wrong. There, there's, so I get that. I mean, so you're also worried about being arrested. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. That's what exactly what I'm. That's mm-hmm. exactly what I mean. So there's a reason to. That's a rational sort of thing. Uh, but what's irrational
1: is that we're arresting people for what they put in their bodies. Yes, yeah. agreed. Yeah, yeah, agreed wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, and I always point out that you can go to CVS and buy enough liquor to kill yourself. Absolutely, twenty four seven, all day long. Absolutely, it's so easy to do. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So, but when we think about cocaine and why it's illegal, yeah, um, uh, cocaine came to the United States uh, in the pop for the popular masses in the late eighteen hundreds and coca-cola this guy john pendleton i think his name was he put it in coca-cola well this product a coca wine uh and he was out of atlanta and uh, he put it in coca wine in 1894. the next year atlanta banned alcohol so before prohibition Alcohol was banned in Atlanta. Prohibition. Just Atlanta. Atlanta. Just Atlanta. I mean, cities. Interesting. Various cities banned this. Um, prohibition happened in 1920 uh, nationwide. Um, so since they banned um, alcohol in Atlanta, he had to come up with a new formulation. And, he add, and so what he did was tuck the alcohol out, added carbonated water and sugar. Then you have Coca-Cola. What that's this is how wow. Coca-Cola this is how Coca-Cola was made. And he put it in these soda fountains, so he sold it at pharmacies at these soda fountains and they were for whites only. So cocaine was you was typically available only to white people at that time. But then in I guess maybe eighteen ninety nine, early nineteen hundreds, Coca-Cola began bottling the products. Now it's available to black people. And now you start to get these, the connection between violence and cocaine use among black people. And this sort of narrative grew and grew um, to the point where we banned cocaine effectively in 1914, largely because of its association with black people using the drug. A similar thing happened with opium and the Chinese. That's the real reason that those drugs are banned, not because of pharmacology. You know what mm. I'm saying? Yeah. Now that's not to say that people can't get in trouble with these drugs. But people do. You know, just like, like they can get in trouble with alcohol. That's right. That's right. But the only stories that we tell about cocaine uh, is the one where people get in trouble. Yes. But I got to tell you. Uh, Recently, I watched uh, uh, Pete Davidson's movie. What was that? The the King of Staten Island, I think it is. It was the first time in a popular movie where um, a hero uh, used cocaine and he was still a hero. So you might remember the scene where Steve Buscemi and uh, I think Bill Burr, they were talking about. I didn't see the movie. Oh, it was a great Heard mm. It was great. A great scene where they were talking about um, Pete's dad and Pete's dad um, had used cocaine previously. And um, Pete didn't know this. And but it was just a matter of fact, the guy used cocaine. He liked his cocaine, but he was still a good guy. He was a fireman. He was a hero. He was all of these things. And they didn't besmirch him for using cocaine. It's one of the few times that you see in popular culture that somebody uses something like cocaine, and they're not besmirched. They don't have. They don't go down this path of becoming an addict and losing all of their possessions because of the drug. Yeah. And so I thought, like, they're, they're doing something
1: here that's different, and then that was really that was a great scene. Yeah. Most of the stereotypes about cocaine in Hollywood are, you know, people using people, seedy people, people that have no compassion for each other, ruthlessly ambitious people doing coke and just all full of themselves and high on themselves and I'm going to take over this fucking town. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you you hear and see, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, I hope that changes, man. I know.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I, I would try it with you. Yeah. I would try it. Yeah, all right. Especially listening to you and knowing you probably get the real shit. Yeah, I just uh, I avoid things that make me confident. I'm not interested in that. I'm confident enough. I'm plenty confident. I like things that scare me. That's why I like marijuana so much. <laughs> I do. I do. People think I'm kidding. I'm. I'm not. I, I. I like the paranoia. I like freaking out because I always come out of it at the other end with some sort of a lesson. Because I think sometimes. Um, we can shield ourselves from things that are, we're really worried about or shield ourselves from concerns that we have or even from ruthlessly introspective thoughts that come with uh, high doses of marijuana. And that's the thing that freaks a lot of people out. I find them very beneficial. Some of the best moments I've had personally are after some of the wildest trips where I was like, boy, this is rough. and the, But at the end, when it's over, I come out feeling so much better. I,
0: I feel you, I mean, that's great. I mean, because you know, um, that's useful. Uh, you feel like you're a better person, that's cool. But sometimes you just wanna be euphoric and yeah. just enjoy your significant other. Sure. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, and, and so cocaine or some other drug, Uh, might be useful for that and so it's not like you have to have only that experience that frightens you and you become a better person that at the end of it Uh, um, i'm all for that that's fine you got that um uh, but i would just say broaden your repertoire that's it
1: the problem is like get if it was legal it'd be great like you could get pure cocaine and you knew what you were getting but if you're getting cocaine in austin texas You're probably getting it from some sketchy dude who uh, is also selling a bunch of other shit. I mean, I'm imagining. I've never tried to buy it.
0: Yeah, but, you know, um, two things here. Um, We got the technology to put on the streets where people can um, just submit small samples of their drug, 10 milligrams, which is nothing, and then they get, a chem- they get a readout of the chemical composition of their drug. Right. We have that technology. If the public would put pressure on their officials to make sure that it's available to people where they can submit their drugs, small samples of their drugs, free and anonymously. Uh, and then they get this readout.
1: The but problem is it's so taboo. Like, if you even admit that you do cocaine, people are like, oh, look at this guy. Ready to ruin his fucking life. Barely hanging on over there, Carl. Look at you, doing cocaine. This is why in the
0: book, I admit my heroin use, my cocaine use, all of my drug use. So I'm trying to change that image because I have met people all around the world, some politicians and so forth, and got high with these people. Uh, Of course, I won't say who they are, uh, but um, the vast majority of people who use these drugs are people who are responsible take care of their families. They care about their communities. They do all this sort of stuff. But Hollywood and the media and the, the mythology is so powerful in showing only this one image. Yes. Um. And I'm trying to really
1: disrupt that because it's it's so harmful to so many people. It is. And, you know, I've had these conversations. I've never done heroin, but I did one, one time when I got my knee uh, reconstructed. They gave me this morphine drip, and you had a button. You could press that button. I'm trying. Oh my god! I kept hammering that button, and I was in heaven. I I mean, my knee was fucked up, and it was on this motion machine that's like constantly extending and contracting my knee because it was post surgery and I had my ACL reconstructed, and they want you to move it a little bit. So I'm sitting there on this bed with this machine that's going (laughs) straighten, and I'm just going bang, 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 woo. So you you've done heroin. Dude. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Be, it was amazing. Because <laughs> you know like this chemical
0: structure I t- I showed you like morphine um with heroin. All you do with morphine is just add two acid groups. Mm. The acid groups don't have any pharmacological effect really. Um and then that's heroin. So, so morphine
1: is heroin. Morphine is heroin. Yeah. The
0: bare com- the bare aspirin company um gave us heroin first. Really? So they marketed it as a uh, cough suppressant. That's why they they had to add these sort of uh, these uh, acetyl groups. Now they have this new product, but really it's not a new product. It's morphine. Wow. So what about codeine? Uh, Codeine, uh, it's also an opioid. Uh, So the opioid poppy uh, contains uh, three drugs mainly, Uh, opium, codeine, and morphine. Uh, they're all in that poppy, and they're all essentially the same drug. But codeine is a lot less potent than morphine, meaning that you need to have more of it
1: to have the. Effect. Is that is codeine what was in Nyquil, the old Nyquil? No, I don't. I don't. I don't recall codeine being in. There's NyQuil. some very potent something or another that's in no, old Nyquil. That not in our lifetime, at least. No, uh, no. What What do you think it is that well, was in there? probably something like promethazine
0: do you know mm. if that's an antihistamine It's one of the older ones um you know the purple drink they call it mm-hmm. uh yeah uh, and, and so that's currently in the codeine uh cough syrup it's codeine promethazine and i think uh acetaminophen
1: which is uh, tylenol mm.
0: uh and so it's probably was it probably was Promethazine, uh, because it'll put you to sleep.
1: It made me feel so relaxed. I remember I had a cold. This was, this had to be the 90s, and because uh, I usually don't take anything. I don't take aspirin. I don't take Tylenol. I rarely take non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Why? But I don't. I don't for non-steroidal anti-inflammatories are bad for your gut. Yeah, my yeah, own. yeah. So I don't take those. Yeah. And uh, I generally look at pain like uh it's an opportunity to just relax and just accept the sensation of pain and and not want to just dull everything yeah obviously it was different when i had surgery and that was also 92 something like that 93. um but the uh i was sick and so i took some nyquil and i remember just like my bed was just like giving me a hug like, I remember, like, God, this stuff feels so good. I think you feels just so good to I be on the NyQuil. I think you non-quote. have an antihistamine. That's what. That's all doing. it is? Yeah.
0: But antihistamines, that's, they, they're no jokes. I mean, you know, like, when we think of the opioid crisis? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people are dying because of antihistamines, too. That's the main, that's one of the main things that's going on. Really? Antihistamines, they're, they're, particularly the older ones, they, they knock you out. They're, um... Uh, so, you know, the antipsychotic medications, mm-hmm. things like Thorazine or Halidol. I don't know if you heard of those, but. Antihistamines were uh, the antipsychotic medications were made originally from like uh, modifying anti- antihistamine structure. Really? Yeah. So antihistamines are
1: no no joke. See, I would have thought of antihistamines as something that just stops you from like sneezing and makes your that nose sh- stop running.
0: Yeah. And so too will um, uh, antipsychotic medication, and
1: <laughs> and it'll stop you from vomiting as well. It does wow. that too. Yeah. See, the uh, term antipsychotic is immediately you tri- Oh my God, you're, you're taking antipsychotic medication you must be psychotic like there's a problem right it's yeah. like there's an yeah. association yeah. problem
0: yeah i know we it's kind of a misnomer to call these things antipsychotics antidepressants because they're not really that sort of thing that's just what the pharmaceutical companies have labeled them yeah, yeah. and yeah. and that
1: has allowed them to really get over mm. yeah um <laughs> portland is in the middle of uh, an interesting experience Experiment right like Portland is essentially decriminalized everything hmm They've Basically they've decided to treat people like grown-ups mm-hmm. and say we're not gonna arrest you for anything mm-hmm. And I'm very curious to see where that goes because we know what happened in Portugal yeah. Portugal did that and they had a drastic decrease in crimes Drastic decrease in addictions and it would really open up a lot of people's eyes. Yeah. they were like. Oh, Jesus Christ Like maybe we're doing this the wrong way yeah. and demonizing these substances and also Infantilizing people that's that's the the big one is another grown adult Telling you that you can't do something that you can't handle it You shouldn't be able to but also making this distinction just with drugs, but not with other things that are legal like bull riding or BMX riding or MMA fighting or or a lot of other dangerous things that people enjoy doing including drinking right you know and it's it's The problem is our perception we have this ingrained perception of what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, and you will see people at a bar with a cigarette in one hand and a drink in the other say, "I don't do drugs." Yeah. I mean, we have this really Looney Tunes version of what drugs are and what a person shouldn't, should not be doing with their life. And if you see someone who's out there, hey, I'm gonna go do coke. You want to do coke? Like, <gasps> right on. Like Mike is losing his mind. Right on. Right but, on. You know, I mean, even w- I experienced that with pot. The people would go. You smoke pot? I thought you were like it's got your shit together and you are into being successful. I'm like, yeah, I do. Like, they're not they're not related.
0: Well, well, Joe, that's why I'm glad you got me here, man. So we can
1: yeah try and change this shit. Let's try to change this shit. But
0: you know, let's think of when we think about Portugal. You you said po- Portugal they decriminalized yeah. about twenty everything. years ago, right? Yeah. Everything, but we don't talk about Spain, which Spain never banned drugs. Right. Um, And so Spain has always had a decriminalization policy. Uh, And there are other countries like Colombia has decriminalization. A number of countries that people just don't know. Portugal was just really good at marketing. And so the world knows about Portugal. Mm. But really, it's time to move on. Uh, Portugal should should legally regulate everything. It should be legal in Portugal and around the world. It should be legal. Because even with decriminalization, the thing that I worry about with drugs, more than anything, is the contaminants that people can put in the drugs, right? Mm -hmm. They're far more dangerous, or they can potentially be more dangerous than the drugs themselves. Um, And uh, decriminalization does nothing for that. Right. But if you regulate it, like we have done with alcohol, what we're doing with cannabis now in 15 states or so you now at least have some quality control. Yeah. And that's where the problems come when you have tainted substances. Uh, if we think about prohibition, the period between 1920 and 1933 in this country, we had a number of people dying and being maimed from tainted alcohol. We legalized alcohol in 1933. At the end of 1933, those problems went away. The quality control issues, they all went away. Um, and so that's where I'm hoping society goes. Legally regulate these other things so we have this quality control.
1: Right. So you can buy actual substances and not these stepped on versions Absolutely. of them, like whether whether it's heroin or whether it's Absolutely. cocaine. Absolutely. The, the problem is perception, right? Is that so many people do have these uh, deeply ingrained societal perceptions of what these drugs are and what it means to do those drugs. I know, man, but... We need more dudes like you wearing meth shirts. That's yeah, well, well <laughs>
0: <laughs> when I wear them, people don't know what it is. So.
1: Well, people don't know that this is a dimethyltryptamine molecule either. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what that is.
0: God, I didn't even notice it, actually. Yeah. It was. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I have to wear these shirts. So, like, when I go through the airports, so like, when I'm in places outside of the United States people fuck with you because you're a dread and you're traveling and so forth mm-hmm. they, you know they want you to go through customs and so forth so i wear these shirts and i tell people you know like i'm a doctor and they say oh is that a chemical structure and then i lie and so you say yeah this is in your brain or your body and then i start explaining in great detail and <laughs> then they just be like all right just get the fuck out of here <laughs> So that's why I wear wear these shirts. That's
1: that's interesting. You wear these shirts to stop people from fucking with you, and it's actually math.
0: Yeah, (laughs) or something else. You know, it could be MDMA or something else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, so perception. um, uh, We have changed perception in our society before.
1: We certainly have with cannabis.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so I think we can do it with heroin. Uh, But we what we need people to to know the facts. And the information, and
1: and that's why I wrote the new book. Well, I know many people that have had problems with uh, opiates, uh, particularly pills. Why is it that that seems to be so addictive? Why why are these pills so addictive? Um, I, that you got to give me a little more than that, Joe, because
0: I know far more people who haven't had problems with okay. these pills because you you know they're a lot like you. You had the pump. That's beyond the peel. That's even you had the morphine. They gave
1: me that for a day though. Exactly,
0: <laughs> but but the thing about it, you
1: weren't going out there tricking to get some more of the That's pump, true. right? Right. I mean, because I didn't you... have enough time to get addicted to it. But they did give me pills that I hated. Um, I do not remember what it was. I believe it was Vicodins or Percocets. Yep. I don't remember which one, yep. but I remember taking it. And for whatever it was, for me, the reaction was, "I felt so stupid. Yeah, they made me feel so dumb. My mind was so dull. That I just got rid of them And I sold it to some dude who uh, was at the pool hall Was that, He goes, you got those? I'll buy those off you And I, I gave them to him Like, take them Get these fucking things away from me
0: Yeah, but you know uh, There are people who have problems That's Yes uh, just Well, I have a good buddy of people. mine Who got his nose broken yeah, Got think. his nose
1: operated on yeah. After his nose was broken The doctor gave him pills yeah. Four months later, he's still taking the pills And finally, his friend yeah. said Hey man, you gotta stop taking those fucking pills yeah. And they took him away from him And then he went through withdrawal and he he was OK after that. But yeah. he found himself in the clutch. So if he went through withdrawal, right,
0: mm-hmm. somebody uh, was being irresponsible with his sort of prescribing, the doses that they prescribed, you know, because in the new book I describe just just uh, just a little bit. I describe putting myself through withdrawal intentionally, heroin withdrawal and opioid withdrawal. Just so I could show people that this is not life-threatening, and it was not pleasant, but it wasn't life-threatening. And what I, was it like? Um, it was like you've uh, talked about it before. You yeah, said it was like the flu. That's right. That's what I said. But it was the thing that I wasn't expecting was I had this abdominal pain that I had never experienced before. Like just the touch of my skin, it just radiated through my body. Um, it lasted for about uh, 12 hours, really. And, um, and, but, um, my dependence was not that deep. It was only like several weeks. I did this for like several weeks. It wasn't, and, and I was over it within 24 hours. Um, uh, and it was just to make a point really. Um, so this, your, this friend of yours, if he was going through withdrawal, the people who were prescribing his medications weren't watching him. Right. Mm. They weren't. And their doses that they were giving him were probably excessive. I don't know. But whoever they weren't being responsible and that shouldn't have happened. Right. And if that's the problem that he had, he was going through withdrawal. No problem. Just taper him off. And so he'll be fine. He'll get back to his life without having these disruptions to have to go out and try and get something else to not so he's not experiencing withdrawal it's not a big deal to deal with, with can withdrawal
1: I ask you this like yeah. how do you uh, taper off to avoid withdrawals what is what is well, one well you just slowly decrease the dose over and you time. can inv- avoid withdrawals entirely
0: yeah so like if you take if you're taking antidepressants um And then you're gonna come off of them. Your physician will taper you off because antidepressants, uh, antidepressant medications will get. Will you will experience withdrawal if you abruptly discontinue them. Um, And so people know this. Withdrawal is not a big deal to deal with. Um, Now, uh, if he was having other problems, like he just wanted to seek opioids, then I, you know, there may be he liked the effects. Um, and if he was still meeting all of his obligations and, doing, and they weren't disruptive,
1: what's wrong with that? What's wrong I think there's a lot of people out there that are taking it most of the time. Okay. I mean, I mean uh, that's the wrong word, way, uh, way to describe it. I think there's a lot of people that are taking opiates on a regular basis and are just doing normal shit in life, and many people don't even know yeah i think that's that's uh an honest statement yeah i mean
0: i i've been one of those people at point periods in my life when i can get some good opioids particularly <laughs> like some good afghanistan heroin i mean i'm i'm, I'm one of those and how do you, you take it um uh snort it Um is that the way to go for me because i don't you know i'm vain i don't want to have track marks or anything yeah uh, and the effects of taking a drug intranasally, they,
1: it, it, it hits you rapidly enough, and I'm, I'm good. I don't need to shoot anything. The Afghan heroin connection is so bizarre. You know, we've talked about this on the podcast before. There's a really weird video from the early days of the Afghan war where um, Geraldo Rivera is on Fox News, and he's showing U.S. soldiers guarding poppy fields. And uh, that they're guarding the poppy fields, so that the poppy growers will help them out, and you know, and and rat out the Taliban. And we're watching this going. What the yeah. fuck are you talking about? Like, the United States Army is guarding poppy fields. Yeah. Again, where is that heroin going? Who's yeah. selling it? How's it getting out of there? Yeah. Where is it? How's it getting to America? Because yeah. it is getting to America. And if the soldiers are guarding it, what else are they doing?
0: Yeah. So like. Um much of our heroin in the United States comes from South America. Now Uh, it used to come from Afghanistan, but most of it comes from South America. But again, your major point is why are we guarding opium poppy fields? Right. Um, Because it's a lucrative market market market. And um, um, well, we're finally using our military for something worthwhile. you Um, uh, you, you know, um, but to think about opioids seriously, you know, cause the country thinks that we're in an opioid crisis, um, yes. and they, in all of this nonsense that's going on, I got a, uh, and I get these emails from parents. I don't know if you know ASAPs, the ASAP group, the ASAP mob folks, ASAP Rocky, the AS- you know that group?
1: You I know? don't know them personally, but I know who they are. Yeah. So the founder of the group,
0: uh, ASAP yams, Stephen Rodriguez is his name. Um, he died. Um, uh, and his death was attributed to an opioid overdose. I met his mom, um, as a result of this. And I looked at his toxicology and we had great conversations. I, I mean, I consider her a friend now. And so, uh, I take this seriously about the opioids. And when I look at how and why he died, he most likely died from um, ignorance. That is, he didn't realize that if you mix something like oxycodone, that's what he had, oxycodone, Um, he had promethazine, which is an antihistamine, alcohol, benzodiazepine a number of things in his system and those things combine to increase the likelihood of respiratory depression that's what i think now if he was simply seeking an opioid high uh he would have been fine uh if he would only have taken the oxycodone Uh, but people don't realize that they shouldn't mix the opioid with an antihistamine with alcohol with a benzodiazepine uh, because that increases the likelihood of you having respiratory depression so many of these deaths are caused by this type of ignorance mm. and um and in other cases we don't know why people are dying like for example two three weeks ago i get an email from another woman who lost her son um and what they told her was that the son died from an opioid cocaine-related death. She sent me to toxicology. I looked at the levels of the opioid in his system. The level, this particular guy had fentanyl in his system, and he had cocaine in his system. Fentanyl is an opioid which is far more potent than heroin, and we worry about that when people take fentanyl and thinking that it's heroin because they may take too much and die. Um, and cocaine was in his system, but both of these drugs, the levels that were in his system, for example, the cocaine was five times lower than the cocaine levels that we typically see in the lab when we're giving the drug and people are having a good time. And the fentanyl level in his system was also really low. So this poor guy probably didn't die as a result of fentanyl or cocaine. Um, But that's what the cause of death is uh, um, uh, listed as on his death certificate. What do you think he died from? Some substance that they didn't test for, maybe,
1: or something else. I don't know. Is it possible that it was just an extreme reaction to the fentanyl and cocaine? This particular kid, um, I'm
0: calling him a kid, kid, but he's uh, 30-some years old, um, had... A history abusing these drugs, um, so he would have definitely had tolerance to both opioids and cocaine um, so i don 't think it was some strange reaction because uh, that these were his drugs of choice. Um, but my point is is that people who are doing death investigations, medical examiners and coroners, are allowed to get away with saying that someone died from an opioid-related death simply because the drug is in the system. But when you start to really look at these levels, it's like, this wouldn't have killed the, the person. Mm. And then they don't have to do their job anymore. So, I, and, and I asked her about an autopsy, and she said they didn't do one. Mm. And um, so that really worries me. Now, um, uh, I understand that people can get in trouble uh, with tainted drugs like heroin tainted with fentanyl. That's a that's a concern we we have to deal with that. But I'm also concerned that um, we have bought into this story about the opioid crises and we are letting people off the hook uh, in terms of informing the public about what's really going on.
1: Now, when you say that you think it's nonsense, like the opioid crisis is nonsense, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are addicted to opioids. Do you deny that? Uh, no, I don't deny that. Um, a lot of people that seek refuge in pills, right? They just they're trying to avoid. So let's let's just make sure okay. we have
0: our language. To, so when we, when we say addicted, we're talking about they meet criteria for this sort of substance use disorder that we've defined in yes. medicine, right? Yeah. Okay, so the vast majority of people who use these drugs are not addicted.
1: Okay, but a lot of people who use these drugs are addicted.
0: Some, some. a small percentage are addicted. This
1: is true. Do you think that it's uh, a and, side effect of life problems? Like they're avoiding their life in some sort of seeking, trying to seek sure. pleasure in these things. Sure. And so they're blaming the opioids. Sure on this sort of behavior
0: pattern exactly so let's think about the towns where we Mm. see
1: these that's being ravaged by the opioid crisis
0: west virginia yeah ohio Mm -hmm. some parts of michigan um all of these places they what do they call them rust belt or places where we had these factories we had uh gainful employment all of these people were doing fairly well factories are all gone these people who had been middle class, they're no longer middle class and their work now they're being offered bullshit jobs with bullshit salaries. They can't take care of their families. And they now they use opioids, too. Right. I mean, we won't talk about their alcohol use. We won't talk about all the rest of these other problems that they have. But opioids are an easy sort of scapegoat and politicians get currency from this because they say we're going to pump money into the opioid crises. We're going to open up treatment centers. It's like the fuck you don't need treatment centers. You need jobs. You Mm. need people. You need people here to have gainful employment. That's what you need. I mean, and, and so as long as you're not talking about employing these people, as long as you're not talking about making sure
1: that they're not getting tainted drugs, you're going to have these problems. Mm. So it's mostly people that have problems with their life and then they seek refuge in these drugs. But it's not really an opioid crisis. It's more of a life crisis. I would
0: bet big money that they're using more alcohol than they are using opioids because alcohol is just more accessible. But the opioid thing is just more sexy uh, for the politician to focus on. Mm -hmm. And the politician can come in and be the hero because they got... Uh, a certain amount of money allocated for this region because of the opioid crises. Mm. Opioids are being scapegoated here. And this is not to say people aren't having real problems, because I know they are. I mean, I've been out to the Rust Belt in these places, and uh, I get these phone calls
1: from these parents. Uh, and so I, I know this is a real thing. What do you tell them? Like if, if a parent calls you up and says that they have a kid that's addicted to opioids, what should I do?
0: Yeah, um, I have gotten a number of parents who have done that sort of thing. Uh, One woman has lost like three girls as a result of this kind of thing. Um, The thing is, I try to make sure that they are not judgmental and that they make sure that they can get their child a safe supply of drug first. That's number one, because the real danger for me is when they start to get tainted drugs. Um, As you may know, I mean, they say that Prince had died from a fentanyl-related overdose. Uh, He thought he had Percocet, and he had fentanyl. Um, That's the real concern that I have at first. So it's like, let's keep them alive first. And then we can work on the stuff that is driving them to engage in maybe... Uh, drug use that's
1: disruptive to their sort of normal functioning. Mm. Yeah, Um. I think that was Tom Petty as well. I think he died from the same situation. Um. A, a, taint,
0: a, a tainted uh,
1: drug yeah. situation.
0: Yeah. No way this should happen in a civilized society. Um, you go to a place like Spain, you go to Austria, you go to Colombia, you go to the Netherlands. All of these places have these drug testing centers so you can take a small sample of your drug and they will give you a chemical printout of what you have and so you will know if your substance is tainted mm. and we don't in this country
1: yeah we have to change our attitudes about these drugs and what do you think the best way other than these kind of conversations and putting these conversations out in the public like what what what's the best way to get people to reconsider their preconceived notions um uh, popular culture you know we think about um
0: comedians let's think about comedians you know the cheap there's it's always a cheap joke you can say some stupid shit about crack people laugh they like it it's not true but uh, uh it keeps the narrative going that's one um i watched the late night shows with colbert seth myers i love what those guys do um Colbert, during this COVID situation, always has, like, a stiff drink with him now. And then he's drinking his alcohol, then he's besmirching something mm-hmm. like weed or something else. It's like, mm. come on, you're a smart guy. You know better than that. But the same thing with Steph, uh, Seth Myers, They um, besmirch other drugs. I mean, you, so you have to, they have to stop that. They need to, uh, because as long as they're doing that, it continues the narrative. Our movies, uh, when politicians say stupid shit about drugs, we have to check them. When your family members say stupid shit about drugs and drug users, when you talk about a typical drug user, look at me. I'm accomplished. I do all of these things. I'm productive. But I'm a
1: drug user. How often are you using drugs? Um, How often? Probably every day I use something psychoactive. Every day. Every, every
0: day. I mean, every day. There's something. Not just like caffeine. I don't do caffeine, you know. No. <laughs> I, I don't do caffeine and I don't do alcohol. You know, those That's hilarious. No, I can't do those things. I mean, it's like, if
1: you're going to do a drug, do a drug. Really. You know, like, if, like a man. Wow. <laughs> That's how you said it. Do a drug like a man. Come on. Have a fucking drink of whiskey. Have some heroin. Well, you... No, it's, it's... I understand. Check
0: it out, man. Like, alcohol, as I get older, I can't do it. It's not, you know, uh, I have to listen to my body. Heroin is a lot more gentle on my body than alcohol is. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I just can't do it. I can't do alcohol.
1: Really? Yeah. So for you to relax, like a little sniff of heroin, it's a relaxing thing. Oh, it's heaven. I mean, I'm,
0: I'm chill it's great i mean i can like uh be forgiving and you know take the other person's perspective Mm -hmm. um
1: understanding um you know i want to be a better citizen a better person that's so interesting because that is not how people think of heroin they think of heroin as someone lying there with a rubber band strapped around their arm like half out of it needle poking out of their vein life falling apart you, know. Don't, you don't think of someone becoming more compassionate, more more interested in hearing someone's thoughts and ideas, putting yourself in their position. Absolutely. Yeah
0: No, I know, man. That's you know, it's like uh, the heroin user that we see in public culture, It's some poor soul who has mm. taken too much, typically intravenously, and is nodding or doing something. Like that. Yeah. that. If people are nodding when they're doing their opioid, that means they've taken too much. And that means that they,
1: they're they wasting their high. Yeah. You know, it's like you want to be up for this. Did I ever tell you a story about the pool hustler who used to do heroin? No. Uh, There's a guy named, uh, he had two different nicknames. One of them was Buffalo Bill because he had this crazy mustache. The other one was Water Dog. And he was this dude in Connecticut. And he was uh, a top flight professional pool player. And he would gamble for big money, but he had to do heroin first. So I used to uh, play at this place called Executive Billiards in White Plains, New York. And it was an unusual place at the time where there was a lot of action. I mean, a lot of guys came there from all over the country to gamble because they knew they'd get games there because there was a lot of gamblers in that in that, that, that particular pool hall. And it was open till like 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. But The people who worked there all encouraged gambling. My friend Guy... Guy Azaridi, he's no longer with us, mm-hmm. but he actually owned the place. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he he loved, he loved the whole gambling aspect of it. Well, this guy would go to the bathroom, he would shoot up, and they would come out, and he would sit on a stool like this. Just sit, like, motionless. Like, his lids would be heavy, and his arms would be like, like T-Rex, just, like, hanging there. And he would sit there for, like, 20, 30 minutes... And then he would get out of it, and then he wouldn't miss. It was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. Because um, he would play this guy, George the Greek. And George the Greek was this, uh, like, real gruff New York character. Talked like this all the time. This motherfucker can't miss. He gets his shit, and he can't fucking miss. He would be so angry. Because you couldn't rattle him. You couldn't get, like, it, the, 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 like, there's a misconception of the term pool shark. Yeah, yeah. They think it's a guy who comes in and is really good at pool. Sharking someone means to distract them while they're playing. That's what sharking means. Like like if a guy is going to m- make a shot and you move and you, you try to do something to take his right eye out. On, right on. You could do everything to him. You could yell while he was playing. He didn't see it. He was gone. He would have like gerbilized and just fucking shoot those balls right into the heart of the pocket. And they were gambling for a lot of money. And he was really frustrated. But I'll never forget that. This guy would do heroin and just couldn't fucking miss. Yeah. And their thought was that he was had burned his nerves off. That somehow or another, like when he would do the heroin, like he had no more nerves. Like he wouldn't he had no anxiety, (laughs) no nothing. Like, you know, they didn't they weren't heroin users. So yeah, they had all these ideas. Like I don't know what about it was i mean he was clearly he had he had an addiction but clearly he was also like a top of the food chain pool player yeah it was very weird to see that these guys would come up with all these excuses why this guy could do heroin and beat everybody
0: yeah well yeah um you know um i i guess my i have a personal story it's kind of close i guess as close as i can get one of the things that i love to do is the day uh, the day after doing heroin and then like doing an interview or something or doing something that uh, a talk um i am at my best the day, day after. after you mm. know um uh because all of those worries are gone gone and you are just focused on what you have to at least i am i'm just focused mm. on what i have to do and the world is all right with me all this minor petty bullshit mm. not
1: bothering me you know and so you would you do it specific, like say if you had some very important conversation on television or something like that would you do heroin the day before purposely
0: oh i have done it and i do you know when i um i did like a ted talk i do these kind of things yeah. i mark them by like what a drug like my ted talk was on methamphetamine uh and then you know or some interview uh, the day before i did heroin or something uh just so i know in my head and it just goes against all of these sort of stereotypes yeah it just uh and it's what i do uh to feel better and to
1: be a better person mm, that's an interesting thing that people would never believe Right? That you do heroin and these drugs to be a better person. That flies in the face of conventional thinking. I mean, what you,
0: as a comedian, I think about getting on that stage and then you have to have your job is to make people laugh. And it's a hard thing. All of us, we try to be funny in our life and we're not funny, right? And in our hands, it's not funny. Um, I think about all the pressure that like the top comedians have. And when they get on that stage and then you are expected to do it again and again in this internet age too with new material mm-hmm. um how do you do that um i'm thinking about like john 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 mulaney mm-hmm. uh recent yeah. recently his recent troubles yeah guy hosted saturday night live twice in the past year mm-hmm. i mean that's a big fucking honor um and he would Had to to show all of these all this pressure um you you need something Mm -hmm. in order to do these kind of things and also to feel uh better and be upbeat and be excited to see these audiences when you are exhausted from putting this together Mm -hmm. i mean you are just exhausted it's a hard thing and we don't have this conversation in society. What we do, what the conversation we can have in our society, is oh yeah, that comic he was out of control and drugs did that to him. That's mm-hmm. the only conversation we're allowed to have, like John Mulaney. Yeah, yeah. the only thing we we're allowed to do is have that conversation. Yeah, and it's like, wait, wait, hold up, this guy accomplished all of this shit, and I. And I don't know this guy personally, and I and I apologize. I don't mean to. I'm, I'm, I don't mean to say anything negative about him because I think he's really funny. Um, uh, but the point is, is that I know drugs are not uh, were not his problem. I don't know what else is going on in his life, but I know something's going on if he had, if he checked in. But I know that uh, this guy uh, accomplishments are just inconsistent with somebody who is addicted to drugs.
1: That's just inconsistent. I think, the, well, I don't know John well. I've met him. He's a very nice guy. He's, and I think, I agree with you, he's very funny. Um, being a prominent national level comedian like he is, is stressful. Um, I can speak to that. I do it. It's stressful. I think the, the discussion is that he sought out drugs because i think he had been clean before and then he he started using again during the pandemic a lot of people are stressed out believe it or not about not being able to perform yeah not being able to because their identity i i
0: I, I understand me too i I get
1: this yeah their identity is wrapped up in that yeah but i agree with you that uh is probably it's a psychological issue that's probably going on more than a uh, a cocaine issue. And some people, it's very difficult for them to adjust, right? Like there's thing is taken away from them, they feel like there's a hole in their life because they can't do stand up. Yep. And and then maybe they try to f- alleviate some pressure or alleviate some anxiety with drugs, and they decide that they've they've gone too far and they're using it too much. You think it's a psychological issue, though, more than a chemical substance issue. Here's
0: what I think, and this is pure conjecture.
1: Mm -hmm. I think
0: that maybe something happened in the poor guy's life, and then somebody knew that he did cocaine, and it was (laughs) easy to scapegoat cocaine, as opposed
1: to what's really going on. Right, that's what I think happened. And you during, bust into a hotel room, and John's naked with fifteen hookers. And you're like, I, I gotta yeah, stop doing yeah. coke. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that well, you know the, the the specifics of the story, I don't know what happened, I, but I'm just joking, yeah, John. I hope you hear this. Yeah, but uh, I I um I don't think it's
1: I don't think it's cocaine. Mm. Uh, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Uh, I do know. Guys that uh, Like my friend Jim Norton He's been clean since he was 19 well, And uh, Let's he, think about that
0: statement for a second
1: Yeah Let's think about it Because he's 53 I think Yeah
0: no, let's just think about that
1: Okay He's been clean since he's 19 At
0: 19 you're still a fucking chow Yeah That's a- true a- And so it's like What
1: mm-hmm. are you clean from? Well he was doing a lot of drugs
0: At 19 I yeah. know And he was probably doing a lot of other shit That he was fucking up
1: mm-hmm. yeah. I mean whether it's from
0: sex driving Mm -hmm. a car whatever it is he was probably doing a lot of other shit that he was fucking up in and he's probably doing those things better now because he's grown up Mm -hmm. but yet we tell this story about him being clean at 19 that's some stupid shit that that
1: we say that what do you feel about alcoholics though because there are people that just can't drink or at least they say they can't drink if they drink they they just go off the deep end
0: yeah i don't believe that Uh, (laughs) i mean that's just you know people if they feel like i'm a better person i don't drink great that's great for you but Mm -hmm. to say like there's this general principle where people
1: can't drink that's not true that's just not there's no evidence for that no no
0: evidence at all
1: so do you think that's just a common cultural cultural narrative that you know there's people that can't drink it's a common cultural
0: myth Mm. yeah But that's okay if it's keeping you away from uh, trouble in
1: your mind. That's fine. That's that's your thing. But do not act like that's a real thing. So when a person is an alcoholic and they drink all the time, one, one thing that is true is that people, like alcohol is one of the interesting drugs in that it's commonly available and it's one of the rare ones where getting off of it will kill you right mm-hmm. like if you mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. addicted to drug and they, they think that's what happened to amy winehouse unfortunately yes yes yeah alcohol uh, if you just go cold turkey yes e- your body why is that what is what's the process yeah it's a dangerous thing and we don't we don't talk enough about this in society
0: because people say i'm gonna kick it i'm gonna go to- cold turkey don't go cold turkey with alcohol please um because alcohol what happens is that if you've been drinking for a long time in your life, um, it suppresses neural activity. Um, so it's really good at increasing this neurotransmitter called GABA. That, and GABA inhibits other uh, neurotransmitters. And so your brain, um, it slows down the activity of these neurons, right? So they, it suppresses these, other, these neurons in the brain. And now, if you abruptly discontinue alcohol use, now the neurons fire wide, wildly. And, 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 and so, um, what happens is that when the neurons fire wildly, you have a seizure, and the seizure is the thing that kills you.
1: Mm, interesting.
0: Yeah, so that's why you want to tell people, uh, go see a physician and slowly titrate take something like a benzodiazepine and then it will slowly bring the neurons back around
1: Interesting. So uh, did they have to wean off of it? The yes. Same, so slowly. Yeah, but you won't be weaning off of alcohol. Instead, you'll be
0: weaning off of a benzodiazepine, which has a similar effect of alcohol, as, at least on these neurons. And
1: So you would stop alcohol, cold turkey, but go on the benzodiazepine yeah. and then slowly work your way off? Yeah, yeah. Um, my friend Jordan Peterson had a problem with benzodiazepine. I don't know if you've heard that. I have, yeah. yeah. What did you think of that?
0: Um... I understand why he would have a problem because he got, he blew up, you know, just all of a sudden. And then he had all of these people who hated him and loved him. And uh, so I understand people having problems. Psychologically. Yeah. And I understand using benzos and because benzos help some people to relax. Uh, There are better drugs for that. But, but I understand. I get that. So,
1: um, yeah, I, I get it. Um uh, what are you what are you asking? Like he he had a really hard time getting off of them and had uh some serious withdrawal problems getting off of benzodiazepines. His body uh d- didn't react very well. I don't want to speak yeah uh, on it because I, I, all I know is what I've read. Yeah, I haven't I, even talked to him personally about yeah, it. Yeah, my question is well why why is
0: he getting off of them? I mean, what what why, why, why is he trying to get off him? That's the question that I want to know. Like, do, do you not want to take him anymore? Or,
1: um, I don't know. See, I don't know what the, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming there was some sort of a negative reaction, or maybe he decided he needed to be sober. Yeah, I,
0: this is the thing. So, like, that's, we have to ask that first question. It's like, wait, you enjoy this and you're good, you're working and you're taking care of your family and, uh, so why do you want to stop you know like what's going on um that's the that's the question if people are putting pressure on you now that's a sort of morality issue maybe Mm. i don't know but that's we have to ask that question um um, i mean jordan seemed to be productive and all the rest of those things he seemed to be um uh doing what society would have people do um um so uh, I,
1: I prolific and yeah working a lot um what do benzos do uh benzos just think of them like alcohol uh a longer ac- a
0: longer longer lasting alcohol
1: really uh, yeah so it suppresses your anxiety yeah. that's what r- they're treat- relaxes you they use to treat anxiety that's their, their primarily
0: mm. their, their primary use
1: and would yeah. it also act as like a social lubricant the same oh, way yeah absolutely yeah absolutely yeah is there um, withdrawal symptoms associated with uh, getting off of benzos? Yes. Yeah. So
0: just like alcohol, um, ben- just think of benzos and the older barbiturates. Remember the barbiturates? Mm-hmm. And alcohol, You think of those as the same class of drugs. And all three of those sort of classes uh, you can't abruptly discontinue because you might run the risk of killing yourself.
1: Wow that doesn't sound good that sounds like a reason to not do benzos just to avoid killing yourself
0: well you know they're just better drugs too for those kind of things um like opioids i'm telling you if people had a safe supply not like percocets or vicodin you know you and i have talked about this in the past about percocets and vicodin the concern that i have with them is that they have um tylenol or um Uh, acetaminophen in them large doses of acetaminophen are in um, uh, percocet and just a small amount of opioid the acetaminophen is the thing that's going to really harm you in that case Um, so uh, we need to take the acetaminophen out of that so if you're going to do an opioid don't do that
1: formulation just do the opioid so ideally if the world was a perfect place you would be able to get pure heroin yeah, you, uh, you will be able to
0: get heroin, pure heroin, um, um, or even morphine. Uh, they're essentially the same, um, and you can do your thing. You understand, um, just like with alcohol, these drugs are capable of producing dependence such that you might go through a withdrawal if you're taking large doses every day for Several months, that's, uh, that, might, that may not be a good thing. Um, like we have alcohol in this society and we don't, most people don't do a large amount of alcohol every day. Right. So you would do an opioid in
1: a similar way. And when you say this, like uh, the, the, the dependence, what is the physical dependence? Like what is happening to someone when they get dependent upon opioids? Like what's the, the, the mechanism in the body? yeah so one of the things that happens <laughs> opioids do a lot one of the things
0: that they do uh, just to take one function is that uh, they slow down the motility of the gut so you you don't pass things as quickly you get constipated right mm-hmm. and You hear
1: about that with pills right? yeah so you yeah.
0: get with heroin and all of these opioids you get constipated because it slows down the motility So what the body does is try to counteract what's going on because you have these compensatory mechanisms, these mechanisms that try to maintain homostasis. Now, those forces are activated. And when when you've been taking these drugs for a long period of time, uh, those forces are ramped up. And now you just abruptly discontinue the use of these drugs, those forces are still ramped up. And now the opioid is not there. So it's you're going to get like this uh, over effect, this super effect of, so you'll get this tremendous amount of diarrhea as a result because those forces are ramped up to that's get your stuff never moving. never a good
1: statement. We never hear tremendous amount of <laughs> diarrhea.
0: Yeah, so that that's what
1: happens. And that's one of the things that can happen. And um, that's not good. Um, So it's basically your body's compensation for the the opioids, and that opioids are removed, so the compensation exists, but there's nothing to battle against. That's right. So you get just overcompensation. Mm -hmm. And so really you have to slowly wean it so your body comes to recognize that it doesn't need to compensate as much. And then over time, you could sort of ease off, like step off the skateboard. Absolutely. And and, and if people do that, um, shouldn't have any problems. And this is uh, something that you would, I, I would think that if it was legal, And we had legitimate professional places where a person could get these things, Yeah, where people had an understanding of it. Because most people people don't necessarily have a good understanding of uh, the, the physical response to the body, to these opiates. But if you had a place where you could get it from and they could explain it to you, this is why you have to be careful getting off of this. This is what's going on in your body, and this is how you avoid. This is how you mitigate these real problems that can be associated with just stopping cold turkey.
0: Yeah, we can we can do that. We should do this for all drugs, just in our regular, general drug education. Mm. But in our zeal to vilify these drugs, uh, we only you know, talk about the negative effects of it. Yeah,
1: them. no, that's all you ever hear. Yeah, especially when you're talking about heroin, meth. These kind of drugs, you exactly. don't ever hear a person like you, educated, intelligent, good-looking guy saying nice things.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> thank you for all of that,
1: but uh, <laughs> you don't hear that though, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You no. Don't?
0: No. Absolutely, man. Um, it, it it it's really troubling because you know I have kids. My kids, now, my youngest just turned twenty, and so my kids are in this sort of drug-using potential stage at this age, right? And so, uh, I was faced a long time ago with this sort of, uh, this, 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 this issue. Uh, my kids will be uh, in a drug using age at some, at, at some point. So what do I want them to know? And so that's what I, that really drives me to be like, all right, let's get all this shit on the table. Because if you're faced with this and you use you will know how to stay safe and you'll know how to keep your friends safe. You know, so it's like um, no moralism here. Right. All I care about is that you're a good person and that you're safe. That's right. all I care about.
1: Well, that's a very unique environment, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't have the, the n- normal scare tactics or the normal fear that parents have of their kids getting hooked on drugs. That's yeah. what all you hear. Hooked, you yeah. know, and, and losing their lives. Their lives fall apart. Yeah. Because they got hooked on drugs.
0: Yeah, I see that you, you raise a really good point here, man. I'm glad you brings this point because uh, when we talk about why we have this narrative about drugs, uh, because there are a number of constituencies who are benefiting from this narrative. And parents are a constituency that are benefiting from this narrative. Because if you just say, you don't do drugs, That's one less thing that the parents have to actually teach
1: about to their children. Hmm. So they're in on this, too. I think they believe it, though, for the most part. uh, Most of the parents that are saying, don't do drugs, you get hooked on drugs, they they believe uh, and uh, they're worried. Wait, wait. Don't get me wrong. Just because you believe it uh,
0: doesn't mean that you're not in on it and you're not benefiting from it so I, uh, I, they, I think they i think they 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 do believe it but they need to understand that they're also in on it mm-hmm. they are part of the problem and they have to and they they're benefiting because um they think that it is making their job easier no as a parent you have to do your work and that's part of your work and so that's why we tell parents uh things like Well, um, you know, uh, it can happen to anyone, it can, it can't. That's not, that's, that's not really true. Um, There are things we can do, things you can do as a parent, Uh, but we have let parents off the hook. Um, Mm. And and I'm not putting this on parents. I think a lot of us have played a role here, but the parents have to understand that they too have a role that they played here. Now, what do you think about rehab centers? Um, uh, put it this way. If I had a loved one who had a drug problem, a drug problem, air quotes, um, I wouldn't know where to send them. I would probably, uh, send them to Switzerland (laughs) and I'm being, I'm dead serious. I would not, uh, because what we classify as drug problems in this country, oftentimes are not drug problems; they're other issues. Mm. But we scapegoat drugs.
1: Do you remember Celebrity Rehab, Doctor Drew? Yeah, fucking idiot. Yep. Whoa. Yep. Yeah. What What's your thoughts on that? I don't think he knows anything about drugs. But it was doesn't he run like a drug addiction and treatment center?
0: I don't think he knows anything about drugs, really. Uh, In terms of personal experiences, or per- I I did. Uh, Anderson Cooper with him one night um, and we were talking off camera with, and um, and it was clear to me he knows nothing about drugs in what way um, what drugs do why people do drugs uh, anything um, those people are charlatans and I'm you know they um, again I you know I'm trying to be a better person And I'm trying to be compassionate. Uh, But I have little compassion for people who are benefiting off of other people's suffering. Um, And there are a number of them out here.
1: Um, And uh, they shouldn't be allowed to do that. Well, they don't do that celebrity rehab show anymore. But uh, I remember watching it thinking this has got to be the worst environment for psychological health where you're – on a reality show showing the world all your problems like if you if I wanted someone to be psychologically healthy the last thing I would do is put them on a reality show and say hey definitely read the comments yeah definitely go on Twitter yeah. afterwards and see all the shit that people are saying about you because that's definitely gonna fuck your head up yeah and that's what's good for you yeah. no that's the last thing I would say I know I would I- say what you need is silence you need some personal reflection find out what your problem is but you need some, also some productive things to distract yourself with. Like maybe you should take up yoga, take up meditation, start exercising. Do some positive things for your health if you think your life is in a bad, a bad place and you're in a downward spiral, whether it's because of the drugs or because of behavior patterns you find yourself in or just because of the fact that you're avoiding something in your life that's disturbing you. You need positive reinforcement. You well, need good things in your life. Let's think about this, like, oh, just like you're saying. These
0: people are at a low point, and they're, they're having problems. And then we say we're going to bring in cameras and exploit that for the drama. There's no way that's yeah. good. I know. I know. I know. And that, that's why this is what I'm saying. If you have a medical degree and you think that that's okay, something's very wrong there very
1: wrong it's exploitation
0: yeah it is exploitation that's exactly it and um it shows that you don't care about those people that you're supposedly treating and that's the thing that uh really it really irritates me when we get these experts on tv with their patients on tv that's just that is not healthy for anybody involved right that's not healthy,
1: no. um, but that guy, Dr. Drew, doesn't know anything about drugs. nothing about drugs. That's crazy that that well, it doesn't exist anymore, right but it, it is crazy that they thought that, that was a good idea and it takes celebrities who are, are famous who have drug problems. My, my favorite one was Dennis Rodman because uh, all he did was work out, like he seemed fine. <laughs> and he probably- was <laughs> on the treadmill, He probably, running. He,
0: uh, I never saw the show, but um, uh, I'm sure he probably was fine, but they thought that it would increase the ratings. You know how these things yes. work. Um, just a side story. So when we were talking off camera, Anderson Cooper was asking a serious question of, of both of us, uh, really me about MDMA, uh, considering using MDMA and was wanting to know like the real deal. And I was trying to like help him understand, you know, to all of the sort of, uh, it's trying to give him a comprehensive understanding in a quick time, quick time period. And this Dr. Drew idiot was uh, chiming in and the way he was describing what MDMA does just let me know that he knew nothing about MDMA and that he was just um uh, an idiot uh because you know uh if you don't know when you're in the presence of an expert on something um m- most adults shut the fuck up because they might be able to learn something right right um he didn't and then that really told me a lot about him as a person you know like if i'm in in the presence if 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 somebody's asking me about how do I increase my um, uh, subscriber base to my podcast, you know, and you're there or something, uh, and then I would shut up. I mean, or, or somebody asked me about uh, being a comedian. I mean, I would like to be funny, but I I know I'm not a comedian. I would shut up when I'm in the presence of an expert, of people who knows. But he didn't.
1: And but so- he is a doctor, right? I mean. What is that? Does he does he understand? I mean, is does he have? Uh... Wait, 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 hold up. <laughs> so, so Let's be
0: clear. Okay, he has a medical degree, yes. right? And so he's taken a class of two in pharmacology, mm-hmm. with drugs, study of drugs. That's it. I mean, whereas and, you
1: are an actual expert.
0: Yeah, this is what I this is what I do. I study and the literature that he's reading about how these things work is from the papers that I wrote the papers that i you know so that's yes. that's the difference and so like uh think of it like um uh in terms of uh, like i'm producing and he's the consumer mm-hmm. so um, this is my my product and i know more about my product and he's the consumer and he's and he's telling people as a, as a marketing
1: agent if you will
0: about my product that i produce i understand
1: and was his thoughts on it is this uh common misconceptions i don't know the shit was so stupid i was just i I stopped listening and and i told him that it was
0: stupid and so i was trying to like really help anderson because he asked a serious question i wanted to make sure he was good
1: anderson was trying to party safely that's right and i wanted to make sure he was good yeah
0: Yeah. Yeah. and and i was just like can you shut the fuck up please yeah
1: (laughs) You're such a nice guy. <laughs> when you get upset about something like this, I know it's real.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, I'm really trying hard, man. I'm trying to be a better person. It's like uh, I'm 54, and I'm trying to be like um, – I'm trying to help other people uh, live better too, man. I don't I don't want to be angry. I don't like that. That shit is just
1: not not good, you right. know. Yeah, it's a bad but I can't tolerate – I don't tolerate foods. I don't do that. I yeah, I understand yeah. what you're saying. Um, and it is – unfortunate that someone like anderson can't ask that on the air you know he can't say hey listen like like you and i are talking about yeah. cocaine like i've never done cocaine but i would do cocaine with you yeah you know like like okay i've never done heroin other than the the drip at the surgery center but uh i'll do a little bit of I'd snuff sniff a little heroin with you, you told me it's cool
0: don't worry about it man when we get out of this pandemic we're gonna bring uh, we're gonna bring afghanistan here (laughs) and colombian we'll we'll be be,
1: back now when you go to colombia you can just buy it in colombia is that how it works i don't buy drugs man you Um, can give it to you yeah i don't i don't i don't you know i'm out here you
0: know me being a drug user I'm not, I don't put my situ- myself in situations where people could arrest uh, you. Uh, yeah, don't do yeah. the compromising thing. I don't do that. Isn't um, that unfortunate? It's very unfortunate, man, because I have to be paranoid about who's around me. I hate that shit.
1: Do you have to be paranoid because of your public profile? Because you're uh, an ardent drug supporter? Yeah. yeah. That's right, yeah. man. Can you imagine
0: it? You know, it's like Columbia professor bought, I mean, Caught buying drugs. You yeah, so it's like I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that to the university. I wouldn't, I would never do that.
1: Has yeah. that ever been a problem w- with the university that you have this uh, unusual stance on drugs? Although very educated and obviously you know what you're talking about, but um, as it, um, I don't, I haven't felt
0: it as a problem. You know, <laughs> so, uh, uh, so I don't know what the university feels about that, but. um check it out i this is my perspective if anybody knows anything about the declaration of independence it's it's a beautiful document uh it guarantees all of us at least three birthrights life liberty and the pursuit of happiness but we talk about those things in this jingoistic way mm. as opposed to really unpacking it and it's like Life, liberty. That means that I can live my life however I see fit, as long as I don't stop others from doing the same. Mm. And I can pursue happiness as I see fit. The Declaration guarantees me that. It doesn't guarantee me happiness. It guarantees me the pursuit of happiness. Mm. And I use drugs in my pursuit of happiness. Uh, And so... If I get pushback and that sort of thing, um, I'm, I will, I'm willing to deal with it. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to go to jail for, the, for using drugs. Um, and that's the thing I had to think about for myself. It's like, if you really believe this, are you willing to go to jail for it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm willing to risk these things. Just like other people who reminded the country— about its promise, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and how the how the promise or the practice doesn't match the promise. Mm. You know, and that's what, and so when I think of Rosa Parks, sitting on that bus seat, um, she was doing that. Uh, I think about all of these sort of people who we now revere, um, I, who I revere, it's like... What kind of man am I if I can't, like, live uh, in the way that I know uh, is right? Right. And so that's that's. So when I think of the university and I think about pushback, what people uh, say, I, I I don't care as long as I am treating people well and I'm not abusing or mistreating people. As long as that's that's all I I, I I will worry if I'm mistreating people, because that's not right. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm treating people well and people are, are bothering me about
1: this issue, bring it on. Mm. That's a very. Uh, it, it It's very confident and it's very uh, admirable that you have that position, because a lot of people. When faced with public scrutiny, right? Like, this is like there's a conventional idea of what drugs are and who drug users are. And they would immediately, like, most people, like, yeah, I feel differently, but I don't want the hassle. I don't want to experience it. I don't want to feel it. I don't, I don't want the criticism. I don't want to have to debate it. I don't want to argue with people. I'll just do my thing.
0: No, I know those people, and many of them hang out with me or used to hang out with me. And I've decided that there are so many people catching hell for being identified as a drug user. That it's not right for us who are privileged and we can be in the closet when other people can't because they've been identified or whatever. So I think that it is dishonoring those people. Mm. And so I don't wanna hang out with people who wanna use drugs and be in the closet and not think about those other people who are catching hell. So Mm. I, I, I decided, Only recently, you know, in writing this book, it's like, I'm not hanging out with people like that anymore who are in the closet when other people are catching hell. Yeah. This is wrong. I mean, it's just fucking wrong that you, that we are putting people in jail for what they put in their bodies.
1: It's just wrong. It's just flat out wrong i couldn't agree yeah. more i think yeah. it is it is wrong and it's it's one of the weirder aspects of modern society that we do make these distinctions between different types of drugs that are acceptable and not acceptable exactly. and oftentimes the ones that are far, like cannabis far safer right. than the acceptable ones
0: certainly can be far safer uh,
1: yeah. but you know it could be also dangerous for some people sure um, yeah well, I uh, had Alex Berenson on the podcast Who used to write for the New York Times And he wrote a book called uh, Tell Your Children Well, yeah and, Yeah, <laughs> and uh, one of the uh, conversations that we had uh, Were about people that have had uh, bad reactions mm-hmm. To high doses of marijuana And they have these schizophrenic breaks
0: Well, Alex Um, um, um uh, plays kind of fast and loose with the evidence right um alex um uh, over that fine that sort of thing um there are people who use high doses of marijuana and get really paranoid and anxious and all of those things mm-hmm. but they don't become schizophrenic So do you think the people that have these schizophrenic breaks were already schizophrenic? Absolutely. That's what the evidence shows. Right. And but Alex is saying like uh, presented like marijuana is causing schizophrenia. Mm. And that's the problem. Um, And and the evidence is not with him there. Now, that's not to say that uh, like novice, you don't you know, you're new to marijuana and then you're smoking large doses or you're taking large oral doses um yeah you might have some paranoia and that shit might last for a day or two you know uh but the thing that you have to remember those people is that the drug will eventually float away from the receptor and you'll you'll come back to your normal self and so the best therapy for people is to have others Just simply talk them down. Make sure that they're chill. They understand that. Don't worry. This is temporary. Um, Because if they think that, oh, shit, I'm going to be fucked up forever, then that causes them even more anxiety. And they do something dangerous. And so the downward spiral. Exactly. And so people like Alex are, are those people who are causing more harm in terms of how I think how he talks about this um and and so um yeah um he's always trying to goat me on twitter uh, to get in <laughs> these conversations you know it's like it's a real bitch
1: move you know uh yeah but anyway twitter's a weird place man it's so not real life but yet it's human beings communicating with human beings but it's in a way that it's not it's all of the, the the normal social contracts are abandoned. All the normal protocol, the, the normal compassion for... Talk, like the way, the way people talk to a person in front. It's the way people talk to people on Twitter. If they talk to people like that in real life, there'd be brawls exactly. in the street. Every day would be like an assault on Capitol Hill. Well, it would
0: be madness. It wouldn't be because those people, as you know, they're cowards and they wouldn't do that. So right. that shit would just stop immediately. right? You know, and so... Um,
1: um, yeah but it's just so strange that it's such a prominent form of communication with human beings. this complete unnatural way of communicating in text and in communicating in a very insulting way oftentimes i know I know, and um you know one way communication
0: like you're typing at your communi- your 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 computer yeah. it's always so uh uh, fraught with potential uh misunderstanding yeah you know even when you're talking to a loved one yes. um so um um it'd be nice if people remember that yeah you know? well
1: if if we really reinforce that and make that like a like a core tenant of of behavior and you know, let people know like i'd i'd like talking to people like this yeah. This is the best way. Well, hope, Sitting there face to face and you uh, rarely have, I mean, it rarely gets ugly. I hope you continue to, to do uh, this here show.
0: I, I know I've seen you talk to people like, uh, I was really interested in one one show particularly. You had the cat on. He's a comedian. He's from my generation. He has a podcast. He's Italian, New York kind of person. He might be from Boston. Nick DiPaolo? Nick. Yeah. yeah. So uh, like you were talking and Nick is a Trump supporter mm-hmm. and you were asking him, I think, about uh, like, well, don't you think that Trump sometimes uh, um, gives misinformation? Uh, you were saying something like mm-hmm. that. And he was basically saying he wouldn't go. It, I don't know. It was some deflection. It was some deflection. I was really interested in 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 that conversation, I was glad that you were having that conversation with him actually because um um I only really i he's from my generation as' comics you know mm-hmm. i I love comedy that's one of the few things that I go out and support live shows. I went out and supported him, my wife and I went out just you know do try and support people, and we sit up front always and he just attacked us, you know. uh, Really? And I'm always, you know, always there trying to cheer people on, uh, cause I understand how hard it is. And I never been so angry, like, at a comedian. Um, And I kinda hung around at the words to like have a word with him, but he never came out. And I don't know what the fuck was going on with him. And I was there to support him, you know, just support people uh Hmm. doing their craft and uh so like this sort of face-to-face conversation that's what i wanted to have with him it's like what was he attacking you about i don't know we were interracial couple and it was something like that
1: it was uh uh wasn't just poking fun having a good time it was mean man you
0: know we stood up front always Mm. and comedians always poke fun at us and that's a good thing you know Mm -hmm. this was like an attack this was mean just really mean and um uh so i was i wanted to have a conversation with him Uh, like yo what the fuck is up you -hmm. know um but maybe he was having a bad night or something i don't know Uh, the crowd was not laughing with him and he was like where was this new york uh it was uh carolines no it was one of the smaller places um and a lot of no-name comics were there. And they the crowd was feeling them. He came out. Um, they weren't really feeling him. So he just kind of turned on the crowd. I think mm-hmm. that's what happened. Uh, that can happen. Yeah, no, I've I, seen it. Trust me, I know. And I know it's a tough gig. And that's why, you know, I try to support comics. Because it, it's a
1: fucking tough gig. Yeah, it is a tough gig. That's unfortunate, though. I, uh, yeah. I don't know what to say to that. No, Obviously. there's nothing to
0: say. I mean, I was just happy that you had him on the show and you were, like, talking to him. I've known him forever. Yeah, yeah and you were talking to him about this difficult conversation. And I wanted to see how he dealt with it, you know? Mm. And um, uh, and he kind of avoided it or tried to avoid it. Yeah, I don't exactly remember what we said. Uh, you were talking about um, Trump... Uh, uh, being uh, a spreader of disinformation or misinformation more so than other politicians. Hmm. And he wouldn't acknowledge that.
1: And he was just basically saying, all
0: politicians
1: do that. And you were like, well, don't, don't you think he does it more? I wonder how people are going to feel about Trump after this is over. Like, I wonder when the dust settles, what the, the perception is going to be. You know, because perceptions change. Like, when Bush was in office, initially, people hated him. And yep. then 9-11 came around, and people started to love him because he w- represented, like, he had a very high approval rating post-9-11 because it seemed like someone's going to take care of us and make us safe again. And then towards the end of his administration, people hated him again. Yeah. They're like, you haven't done shit. Like, this well, is just, you've got to listen to these wars. There was no weapons of mass destruction. But now, as time has gone on, people go, well, I mean, it's that's one thing that you could say about the difference between Bush and and trump is that bush in in hindsight is a far more reasonable person and in the way he looks at things is like you know even the way he looks at people that have different opinions on things yeah the way he looks at supreme court rulings the way yeah. he looked at all those things was very much more presidential
0: yeah well so uh, let's be clear like all presidents kind of get a bump after they went yeah. to war, right? Yeah. And so that's he he enjoyed that bump. Right. And that's cool. And then people start to say, wait a second, you lied to us about going to war, and they mm-hmm. start to see him for what he was. But through it all, through all this eight years, Bush uh is a decent human being. Yeah. And so um I think now We have a person who's not a decent human being who uh, makes fun of other people, who bullies other people, who uh, incites other people to do bad things. Um, So when you compare Bush to that sort of
1: thing, Bush is still a decent person. Do you remember when they found uh, there was a, a famous photograph of him sitting there with a taco bowl? He's eating a taco bowl, and it was like right after he said something about Mexicans being rapists and shit. He's like, I love Hispanics, like eating a taco bowl. I don't mind. Well, behind him was a drawer, and in that drawer, the drawer was open, and there was uh, a a bunch of Sudafed, but there was the European Sudafed. It's apparently, yeah. With the real Sudafedrin in it. Yes. But there's like a a large supply of this shit. Yeah. yeah. What does that stuff do for you? so um do you remember uh, the picture did you see the no, picture? no 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 pull, pull the picture up so you could uh you could see it because but, it's, but you asked
0: what the Pseudofeb do for you pseudofed is like an amphetamine it's not uh it's one of the building blocks to this structure there it is so that box there oh wow oh yeah uh, again uh why would is, is that the real one uh,
1: People did the math to figure so
0: out what it was So that one there, that's not the real one It doesn't have Sudafed That one there has uh, phenylephrine in it That's the replacement for a Sudafed So that has Tylenol Caffeine and Sudafed Replacement
1: uh, That's what they said It's not the real one Yeah yeah,
0: yeah.
1: yeah that that that. So so, so there was uh, Incorrect speculation that it was the European Version of it, is that what it was because uh, I remember reading that people had speculated that it was a European version of it, which was more potent, and they were saying that's uh, su- pseudo fed is pseudo ephedrine. Yeah, right. That's right. And
0: pseudo ephedrine is from ephedrine, and ephedrine is like a building block to the amphetamines. So I don't know why Donald Trump would need that when he can just get prescribed amphetamines like other presidents and like our military. And so yeah. I. I suspect he does take a stimulant. I, sus- uh, I suspect they all, he also has a
1: sedative to sleep at night, those sorts of things. Uh, and that would be reasonable. Um, yeah. I think um, that has always been the case, right? Yeah. I mean, that was Dr. Feelgood back in the Kennedy days, right? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I know if I have that job, I, I better have an ample supply of substances. I mean, you, you have to. <laughs> I mean, you have
1: to be up and... Yeah you got to make sure you get sleep as well yeah the up part is interesting because he's obviously not fit and he's 74 years old and meanwhile the guy got covid and then after covid he had all this energy and he's talking all this craziness on twitter and law and order and all this and but that is like and that stimulant type of chatter right like many 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 posts and tweets he can go on the campaign trail and have all this energy
0: it could be joe i i you know it it, certainly i as a president i suspect he has a stimulant and that that would be normal um but you know he probably has some cognitive stuff going on too Mm. um and um he slurs sometimes Yes, and to me, that says
1: stroke or something uh, may have happened. Uh, I think the slur, it seemed to me more like he was coming down off of something or he was mm-hmm. on some sort of sedative that he over-prescribed or over-overdosed. You know, you've seen that where he's like struggling. It seems like he's exhausted. No, that's not a sedative, man. That, uh, I don't... Uh, if you really fucked up though, if like you take something and you're really kind of drowsy, but you're trying to keep it together for your speech, and God bless America, like you barely can get the words out because your mouth is failing you. Um, I I don't know. I'm only speculating here. I I, I don't
0: don't really know, but um, that's how people talk when they're drunk. Yeah. Um,
1: but why would he be on a Saturday when he's doing a Talk maybe he got all ramped up and wanted to calm himself down, and maybe he's like on this constant up and down could sort been, of could be seesaw. That's certainly possible. That's
0: certainly possible, but I I don't know. I thought maybe given his physical condition, I thought maybe he might have had some minor sort of strokes or something going on.
1: <laughs> while he was having a speech. And then, no, 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 just no. that this is
0: a this is something that has happened, mm-hmm. and um, and it shows up every now and then yeah, just the blood flow to these certain regions maybe um uh, being obstructed or something
1: really um i assumed it was a substance thing mm, I, don't
0: I don't know I mean, this behavior is just so strange man I, I think it's something else. i think it's yeah drugs be like yo don't
1: blame us for that shit. <laughs> <No. sighs> I had a an idea for a show. It was kind of a joke, but like called uh, "Ex Presidents on Mushrooms," where you just get ex presidents and you you make them do like a mushroom ceremony, like a real like four to five gram dose. Do, do you know Rick Dublin? Yes, yeah, I've had Rick on a few times. Oh, that's great, yeah.
0: man. Because Rick, this is what Rick got Um, you know, like his. I think his undergraduate thesis was to get all these leaders world leaders
1: mm. on mdma though oh yeah, yeah. well he's yeah. done a lot of research with mdma with yeah. uh, with soldiers in particular to combat yeah. ptsd yeah. And, yeah yeah he had Rick's the same a great, idea great yeah. man
0: he really is and yeah. that's who i'm trying to be like actually because rick is always uh so forgiving and generous uh, yeah but i guess if
1: i had a supply of mdma i'd be okay too <laughs> <but>. <laughs> that's the thing right it's like you can't get it, even if you're a proponent of it and you're a responsible user. And but meanwhile, I I've only had one MDMA experience. It was very positive. It was very positive. Uh, I've only, did only had once. one MDMA
0: experience. Yeah.
1: God damn man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just starting to feel badly for you. I, That's like a guy who's only been laid once. Yeah, I got exactly. laid once. It was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've yeah. only had one. Yeah.
0: Fuck, man. That's that's remarkable. <laughs> no, I mean you're married too, uh, you know, so it's yeah. like it's
1: a great thing to do with your with same. your partner. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it should be something that you can just get, right? You know, especially like a pure form of it, so you know exactly what you're I got you're an getting. idea, man. You have an idea. Yeah. An idea. We should take your show
0: on the road to where? Spain? Oh, somewhere illegal. Spain? Uh, Columbia mm-hmm. um, and all of these places where they test the substances and we'll do
1: a tour of a- these substances. Do a tour of substances. Like yeah. that's something we could do. We could do a different show, like a different kind of show, like do a specific series. Yeah, because you know of you, these things just to experience things that I haven't experienced yeah, before. Yeah,
0: because yeah, you know, all of these people know you and um, so it'll be a big... It'll be big fanfare yeah. that you're doing it. But we should we should actually do that, man.
1: Mm. Well, we could do that post pandemic once everything yeah. sort of lightens up.
0: Yeah. I've
1: done a lot of shows high, obviously. I've done a lot of shows drunk. I've done a couple shows on mushrooms. You know? And you were cool? You at the
0: the I mean you look at it and you be like, Oh yeah, that's 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 that's
1: Yeah. Good. man, me and Post Malone did one on mushrooms. That was fun. We were silly. But that was just it. Just got really silly. It was one of those. Show, we, it was very happy. It was a very happy show, but it was very, very silly. And, and how were the viewers? Were they like? Oh yeah, cool? we had a good time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think we we're honest about it on the show too. I think we uh-huh. talked about.
0: Yeah, I think we. If we do it, don't tell anybody that what we're on or that we're on anything. Oh uh, okay. And then you just see what people say. You, yes. You know, you just cause, we want to see uh, uh,
1: if uh, they even notice, right? Like, uh, w- maybe we could call the show "Guess What We're On." <laughs> yeah, and placebo
0: might be uh, uh, pl- placebo is a possibility. Sure, we could yeah, do yeah, some yeah, shows yeah. straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. we do a tour of like yeah. s- six different places. Man, that would be great. It's not a bad idea, yeah. and that that would go a long way to uh, alleviating misconceptions yeah or preconceived notions that people have about uh what things do and what they don't do yeah that would be that'll be a motherfucking community service that really would be it yeah, would be in yeah, a way right yeah um yeah. what do you think about iboga and ibogaine uh-huh. um because that's something that a lot of people turn yeah to.
0: yeah I, I i um um i really like the enthusiasm because they're trying to like help people and it worked for the, a lot of the proponents and so uh, i like that enthusiasm and and so i'm all for it uh, i support what they're trying to do uh on the one hand but on the other hand um i just don't um, believe and based on the evidence that there is a magic bullet for like because people use it to cure drug addiction. Yeah. Um and um there's no simple magic bullet like that. But if um um if people uh, think so and they're not harming anybody, fine, why not?
1: I think it is um It's ruthlessly introspective, right? And I think that's one of the things about uh, Ibogaine that people talk about. And I think that when people get to examine their life and examine the whys, like as you were saying before, that maybe it's not really the substance. Maybe it's something that they're trying to squash in their past or something they haven't really come to terms with. I think you're right. Uh, We think about um, ayahuasca from this perspective.
0: Some people feel that way um mushrooms as well mushrooms of course of course mushrooms yeah um and that's that's a good thing Mm, that's a good thing and um you you know like some of us are just introspective anyway we live in our heads and so um uh and other people need a little more help to get there but it's a good thing it's a good thing
1: to do it um so i'm for it yeah i think That is uh, oftentimes the case with uh, people that I've talked to that have used mushrooms to quit things. Like I know people have used mushrooms and quit cigarettes. Yep. And where they well, smoke cigarettes their whole life. And then they did mushrooms once. And they're like, what am I doing with my body? And, uh, and why am I so distracted that I'm, why am I distracting myself with this unhealthy stuff? And like, what is this about this behavior pattern that I've sort of fallen into grips with?
0: No, I, I, I mean, I know people who have done MDMA to stop using alcohol, mm-hmm. you know, and that sort of thing. And it's yeah. like, um, yeah, it helps people to have a different perspective. Um, uh, it helps them to see uh, sometimes the inferiority of the compound that they've been abusing. Um,
1: yeah. Uh, I, I think it's all good, man. See, that's um, what I wanted to get to you about with uh, rehab centers. Because like, for, for people that talk about drugs, m- much of the discussion is about people where the drugs get away from them or they're, they're, they find themselves in a situation where they find themselves addicted to these drugs. And uh, it is rare that uh, we discuss the, the real root cause psychologically uh, of what, what, what's leading them into these self-destructive behavior That's patterns. Right. That's right. And Ibogaine seems to help that, but there's no Ibogaine rehab centers in America. It's illegal here, unfortunately. Well, also the people now, the people who are proponents... Um, they,
0: too, are very important in this whole mix. Um, They wouldn't have cameras there doing that sort of stuff. And they are trying to understand and help people understand what's really going on in their life. So that's really important, the therapists. Those therapists are really important, um, or guides, or whatever people call them. They're really important. Um, They can play a really important role. Understanding. Understanding that it's not just the drug that you are dealing with there are some other deeper issues and i think if people are starting from there thinking about those deeper issues then they have a chance uh but too often our sort of treatment centers man they're in it for the loot for the money and um and one shoe fits all and that's um uh, I don't think that's very helpful for for, for many people.
1: Yeah, and uh, it's just I don't. I've never been to rehab. I've never needed to go to rehab. But the people that I know that have been, they go. They it takes a long time. They're they're often there for months, and they come out, and many of them start using again. Yes, I, oh, you probably
0: know wealthy people. If it takes a long time, so we want to keep <laughs> them there. So make sure that we milk
1: their insurance. Is that what it is?
0: Well, I mean, I did some training in Hazelden, you know Hazelden? No. It's like the treatment center. It's in Minnesota. Um it's um Betty Ford kind of issue. Mm-hmm. You heard of that? Yeah, um so uh yeah it's uh you have these long treatment stays and um can't let you go can't you let might you start using again yeah carl. that's right that's right uh, all of that sort You're of not stuff. ready
1: to leave yet carl
0: don't know if you should be hanging out with your friends anymore particularly the ones who got a brain they might
1: be telling you what we're doing here you know that kind of thing um mm. um I, what's the science behind it? Like, I'm sure you've examined this. Like, so what do they, when, when you go to a rehab center, what does it take to run a rehabilitation center? Like how much knowledge do you have to have about these drugs and what to do and how to get someone clean? That's a damn good question. So typically they may have a psychiatrist
0: or psychologist who are trained in substance use disorders. Um, and then the staff, um, they don't have much training typically. Um, and our training, uh, in substance use disorder at the medical, uh, like physicians and psychologists, uh, that training is not very good. Um, and so when you say not very good in what way, um, uh, for example, we are not really trained to think about, uh, if somebody is smoking crack and they have a crack addiction. So we focus a lot on crack. As opposed to like, um, oh, this guy is from somewhere Ohio where they lost all of their jobs and Mm. his wife left him and his children no longer speaks to him. Um, um, So it's like crack is not the problem, but we're getting paid because you have a crack use disorder. Uh, and so it has to be the problem. Um, and, and and my specialty is looking at crack, not looking at employment and what employment does to um, a male in modern American society who had been accustomed to being the number one breadwinner in his home.
1: Mm.
0: None of that is in the training right. of, of these people who are providing therapy and so that's what i mean they're not very well trained Uh, they're only focusing on the substance that's it because that's all we're trained about if you ask them like uh, what does dopamine i mean what does cocaine do to dopamine oh they can tell you that inside out you know but um what about what kind of what the what are the impacts of Uh, A white male in his mid 40s uh, losing his job that paid one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And now the best job he can get pays about twelve dollars an hour. Um, They don't know that. Mm. And that's the
1: far more important question. Right. Yeah. How do you manage to get your mind right without just drowning your sorrows? Absolutely. Well, just uh, if I'm going to provide treatment
0: in that context with that person, the first thing I'm trying to do is how the hell do we help this guy get a job that he can feel like he's a productive member of our society again? That's
1: where we start. Right. So, you, uh, so they have self-esteem again they feel like they're on the right path they don't feel the need to just try to escape
0: absolutely right. just so
1: they feel uh like they are human again i have a friend whose uh significant other uh had a substance abuse problem multiple times and she kept going into rehab and then getting out and cleaning up for a while and then going in it again and eventually he couldn't take it anymore and uh you know he had great things to say about her. She's a great girl, but she kept falling apart. And he didn't know what to do. He wasn't a guy who's had problems like that himself. Like, what do you say to a person like that who has a loved one who's, who just keeps falling apart? Like, she would fall apart. She yeah. would apparently, I don't know her, but yeah. it, according to his description, she would fall apart. And yeah, just start using like crazy and fuck up everything in her life. Yeah. You know what relationships you and I
0: both know um, you can be in a relationship with a person for a number of years and not really be honest with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like that dynamic, I don't know. Uh, But if I had this woman alone and try and figure out like what's really going on, that's that's different because I don't know what kind of mistrust and how much damage has happened over the years in that relationship uh and i don't know how honest and open they are with each other we because you know people can be together for 30 years and not be open and honest
1: it isn't also the issue that sometimes people aren't honest with themselves about why they're using um they certainly
0: um i think people are honest with themselves they just don't share it with you Mm. um you can't get away from yourself. You really can't. Um, You can try and... and I see what you're saying. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they're just not expressing themselves honestly to other people. Yeah,
0: and uh, some are more convincing than others. And um, being a human, uh, a decent human, it's a complicated thing. Um, And the thing is, is that we sometimes fail. But it doesn't mean that we're bad people. And that's where we have a real problem because it's like um, that kind of nuance we're not equipped to deal with in our society, mm-hmm. in our relationships. Even. Right.
1: Yeah. It, but it's just that's always the narrative, right? Like, oh, he started doing coke and then the relationship fell apart. Oh, he started, oh, they got hooked on, like, that's how a lot of people view drugs. Because society has allowed them to,
0: right, ma'am? Like, uh, if you have a problem that you can't explain, throw it into the drug waste bin. Mm. That explains it away. And then you get sympathy and people say, yeah, I understand. You need to leave that motherfucker. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, And then it's like, you're not a bad person. You're, you're, um, uh, drugs is, have, have functioned the, the, in that role for our
1: society. Um, and I'm trying to take it out of that waste bin. Mm. Yeah, and that's, but that's maybe a way that we can look at things more clearly is to say, look at all the people that use drugs and don't have a problem yeah how come they don't get that yeah because people are in the closet man yeah yeah yeah
0: you know like all of these successful people are in the closet and it allows this caricature caricature of drug users as being this irresponsible degenerate Mm. um, because you're not looking at barack obama who used cocaine Right? right. You're not looking at him as a cocaine user. Instead, you're looking at some guy on the corner who's ruined his life. Right. Right. And it's like, wait a second. Um, drugs didn't ruin Barack Obama and he used cocaine.
1: Right. Do you, when you write a book like this, like um, how do you how do you balance out these ideas like your your uh, your perceptions and your thoughts on these ideas versus the common narrative. Like, how are you trying to convince people? Like, are you trying to just express yourself in a way that you kn- you know it's going to be controversial, but let me just do my best to explain the way I think about things? Or are you actively trying to sort of persuade people? I'm trying to persuade
0: people, but this is one of the reasons man i have so much respect for comedians so you can tell people some really difficult shit if you have a punch line yeah. you know um uh then they're able to hear it yeah so as a scientist how can you do the same thing how can you tell narratives of stories and teach at the same time and and that's what i'm trying to do and i learned that I only recently learned this, that you have to be an artist. Mm -hmm. And that's what artists do. Um, And so I'm still learning how to do that. Um, So I'm trying to use other people's stories. But in this book, I'm using my story. I'm saying, this is what I do. You know, I use heroin. I also publish a lot of scientific articles, uh, scientific Papers in scientific journals, I have uh, more than 100 of those papers, and they're hard to publish. I publish several books. Um, I lecture all around the world. I do all of these kind of things, but I'm a drug user. So I'm trying to use my own stories to show people that what you've been told about drugs is wrong, and what you think of a drug user, the image of a drug user that you have is wrong. The typical drug user look like looks like me, except they're white. But they look like me, um, uh, and so if we if I can do that with my book, I hope um, I hope uh, uh, it goes a long way in changing people's views.
1: Do you feel like in academia you're on your own? Like, is are there other people like you that are out there that are so bold and open about it, like so completely? Uh, out of the closet as it were? No, in academia nobody's out of the closet. There. Isn't
0: that weird? Um is a weird ass place. I don't know if you know <laughs> it very well, but it's a weird place. Um you know um uh, I don't feel at home at in an academia in some areas, but in other areas I do. I mean I love like Getting high and reading, you know, or or, or that's what I do, or uh, going through the literature in 1897 to find out what they were saying about this. This is what I. So in, in terms of academe I feel at home because there are a lot of people like that in academia.
1: And when you say getting high, like what do you get high on when you do that?
0: Oh, uh, certainly amphetamines, or if I want to do heroin too, I can do that. Or, or just anything. Um, if I'm alone and uh, and and I uh, I have all these ideas racing, and so I have to go back and read things that other people said uh, to see uh, uh, if uh, somebody else was saying it. And typically, somebody else was saying it, uh, and it's not an original thought. But it's nice to know who said it and who was who published it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in, in academia, I feel very much at home there, but. Uh, being in my skin and being uh, who I am out front about these things and being direct I don't feel at home in academia uh, but it's okay uh, it's a nice living and it's and I get access to uh, smart kids who are enthusiastic who want to change the world and um, I get to help them um, and they teach me shit all the time um, so it's a great place in that respect uh, but the people who uh, like my colleagues uh, uh that's not so great uh, a lot of times but um
1: you, you deal with it that's just how did we- you have colleges that are curious like that maybe don't have a lot of experiences with drugs but they see you like how is he guy how's this guy keeping it together maybe i do have a mis- misconceived idea about what drugs do to people and did you get them like dancing around the idea? Like Anderson Cooper's asking about MBMA. Do you have other uh, oh, colleagues yeah. that are pulling you aside? Like, say, Carl. Yeah, it's a lot, it's lot more. Indirect. a little bit of cocaine.
0: No, they don't say, say that. Carl. That They don't add, they don't, they're not that direct, but they are beating around the bush to try mm-hmm. and figure out uh, what's what. Um, and then there are other ones who are using drugs and they're in the closet. Um, and, um, but even those folks who are in the closet and using, they're not really my people either. Um, they're not very courageous. That's another thing that marks academe. There's a lot of sort of cowardly, squirmy behavior, stab-you-in-the-back behavior that happens.
1: That's that's disturbing about academia than you, that you hear from people that are professors, that there is a lot of stab-you-in-the-back behavior. Yeah. And that you would think that also with... Uh, An occupation that has tenure, which is one of the weirdest things ever, weirdest positions ever. You can't get fired, like, unless you do something horrible. Yeah, You would think, like, boy, that would encourage people to be courageous.
0: No. You have to think about the people who are attracted to academe. Uh, A lot of these people were considered nerds. Uh, I mean, not the sort of popular nerds where people put on a pair of glasses and say that they're a nerd. These people were, like, really alone with their books and they weren't very popular um and they got picked on um and so um and they learned how to fight in a different way they learned how to fight with their words or with some other sort of clever indirect method that could not be identified with them so their foot their fingerprints are not on it and so mm. um you know all of this uh, uh, so it's kind of, it's what you would expect uh, mm. it is it's how they fight um uh, it's not like like i'm accustomed to having grown up in the hoods like if you have a beef you deal with it straight on you know you get in a fight and then it's settled. You lose sometimes, you win sometimes, but it's settled and it's the beef is over. Whereas at academe, you don't even know sometimes that people have a beef with you, and next thing you know, you know you're not getting this or you're having this taken away, and you don't you don't even know
1: what was what mm-hmm. what happened. Um, so it is what it is. You know, we, that's one of the really unfortunate aspects about not being socially accepted when you're younger is that for a lot of those guys, it kind of sticks in their craw.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's that's the thing that's really harmful, where it's like, yeah, you were abused. I mean, people picked on you as a child. That, that was wrong. But
1: you can't undo it by doing it to somebody else. Yes, that is a problem. And that's one of the things that I find most distasteful about social media. I see some people that I know personally on social media, and I know that they did not have a good social upbringing i know that they were picked on i know that they were abused and uh, even comedians and then i see them being mean and shitty and piling on and acting like bullies yeah and just diving i'm saying the most ruthless shit about oh, people oh. and i know that they're doing it because someone did it to them yeah. and they still feel like they haven't they haven't balanced their account, yep. as it were, you know, in yep. terms of like what the world did to them versus what they want to do to the people that they think represent what the world did to them.
0: No, absolutely, and, and that's the thing that I find abhorrent as well. And um, we have a lot of that in academia. Um, and uh, I was recently the chair of my department, and uh, one of the reasons I took the job was so that I could maybe shape the uh, environment and um, shape the ethos. Uh, Boy, was I wrong. (laughs) (laughs) They kicked my ass. I mean, just straight up, you know. It's like uh, um, they were just a lot more sophisticated than me in, in that game. They were a lot more sophisticated. Well,
1: you weren't trying to play the game at all. You were just being yourself, right?
0: Yeah, and I was, I thought, you know, I had good motives. I thought that I was a good guy, all that sort of thing. No, but they they kicked
1: my ass. What was it about? What what were the conflicts? Um,
0: You know, trying to hire people, for example. Uh, Trying to make our university more diverse, racially diverse. I mean, we're in Harlem. Columbia's in Harlem. Uh, We have 4% black faculty in Harlem, Harlem Black USA, Um, so just trying to bring in, for example, more black faculty, um, and everybody's on board with this, uh, publicly, everybody's Mm -hmm. on your side, you know, and then you want to bring in people who are senior and independent and they will, they have minds of their own and then they, they, they don't necessarily do what I want them to do because they can think for themselves. That's a no, no. That is a no, no. No, you you bring in people who are going to play along and um, who will keep the status quo. And um, anyway, I I I thought I was doing what what people wanted because they said that's what they wanted. (laughs) And um, but again, that's my own
1: stupidity. You know, that was was, that's on me. That's really on me. Um, But so it's the social game the social game was confusing to you because you come from a different place in terms of like, that's not how you approach people. You know, know, I think about just an example about what happened in the country with the insurrection
0: and Trump um, egging the people on. So when I think about that in terms of academe, the people in academe, like people say Trump is like a gangster. It's like, no, he's not. The people in academe are like gangsters because they do shit like that they have their these people do these horrible acts and their fingerprints are nowhere on it you know mm. what i'm saying so you can't trace it back to them because they know how to do this sort of thing and that's where um they beat me at that game it's like that's that's some real gangster shit and they and um they showed me that i wasn't a gangster either so
1: <laughs> it's uh It's an interesting world in that a lot of people that enter into the world of academia go straight from school. They go straight from college, they 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 go to the university, get their PhD, they are they're already involved in working in the school and then their ultimate goal is to transition from being a student to being a teacher. Without any world experience. That's right. Without ever escaping the bubble of academia. It's It's a weird place. That's a great,
0: that's an astute observation, man, because if we think about just what I do as a drug scientist, right, that's what I did. Here it is, I go and study to get a PhD in drugs. I got my PhD in 96. And I thought I was going to, like, solve the crack crises or whatever. Um, um, The only world experience I had was I did four years in the military, And again, I was only 17 to 21, not really any world experience because I had the cocoon of the military protecting me. So no real world experience. Um, And um, now I'm this like big drug researcher. And no real world experience about how these things work in the real world, but I'm considered an expert. And I published all of these papers, and I've done this sort of stuff uh, in terms of the scientific community. And then it took me I, I didn't realize I really didn't know anything about drugs until after I was 40 years old, although I had already had pu- I had already published dozens of papers, gotten multimillion dollar grants, other types of awards and i'm considered just expert but like you said we go from college basically into the academy and you now you're the scientist or whatever no really no ro- world experience that's what we have in our sort of uh, cadre of experts in in many of our sort of spaces certainly in the world of of drug addiction
1: yeah it seems to be a prerequisite like i I would i just would think i would like in a perfect world for people that are telling me about whatever it is like i have a joke where i say the the people that hate marijuana the most need it the most yeah and it's it's really true i mean that it is there's a, a lot of experts that really don't understand the effects absolutely like if they did they would go like what like what do you think happens exactly what i want to say to be what do you think happens when people smoke pot you think it just like do, do you think it makes you crazy? what do you think it l- ruins your life? why do you think so many people enjoy it then like what is exactly. what is going on and they they can talk about it from a pharmacological perspective from a, a biophysical perspective, but, but they really don't have real world experience right. no an experiential uh, yeah. sort of perspective you're absolutely right
0: uh, one of the things that happened to me um, as a result of like traveling all over the world is that I met this schizophrenia researcher um, his name is Paul Fletcher he's at Cambridge um, and he wanted to experience like schizophrenia he's treating these people and he wanted to really know because of this critique that you just laid yeah. out and um, he's the only person who I know in that area who's done this you know so he he did like ketamine to try and reproduce the experience because he heard that that was like reproducing the would reproduce the experience. Of course it doesn't. Uh, but this is what people have said. Our animal models use ketamine for that reason, but it doesn't. Um, but he was curious enough to try to figure out what schizophrenic people who are diagnosed with schizophrenia. He tried to figure out what they were experiencing. Um, I don't know if he figured that out uh, from this sort of experiential perspective. But what I do know is that if I ever had a relative who had schizophrenia, I would send them to Paul Fletcher um, because his perspective on it, uh, I, it really respects the person who has this diagnosis and uh, it offers them the greatest amount of hope that I have seen in that area. And it would be good if other scientists in these areas, drugs, whatever it is, would also seek to try to figure out the
1: experience that their pa their patients Mm. are going through. Yeah, it'd be almost like learning martial arts without ever sparring. Yeah, yeah,
0: Yeah. or coaching basketball without really ever playing. Yeah,
1: yeah, under pressure. Do you? Is there anything that mimics schizophrenia that 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 someone is there like a commonly thought of substance that mimics schizophrenia um they have
0: suggested large doses of amphetamines over periods of time with sleep deprivation can mimic paranoid schizophrenia but i don't know if it really does i mean all of this stuff uh i am now questioning so i I don't know i mean at one time if you would ask me that question maybe
1: five years ago i would have said amphetamines but i don't know now schizophrenia is an odd one too right because doesn't it affect somewhere in the neighborhood of one percent of the population yeah that's a lot of people
0: it's a lot of people um uh but i have a lot more hope about schizophrenia after having met paul fletcher just in terms of um i'll I don't want to bastardize his sort of model of thinking about it. And so I may not have all the details. Right. But I would just say to simply try to explain about, like you and I, we go through the world. Everybody, we have these theories about how the world works like um, like you smile. I have a theory about what that means. Right. And so, uh, oh, Joe likes me or he's happy today, whatever. And then I'm right because you tell me that whatever. Somebody who's diagnosed with schizophrenia, they also have these models that they're testing out. And so their model might be like uh, you sm- when you smile, they think that you're angry or whatever. Uh, and or you're plotting against them. Yes. And their model is just wrong. I mean, it's just mm. like they're just getting – they just have uh, – they're bumping, ag- bumping up against uh, these wrong answers. And yeah. then when they get, they get more wrong answers, it's even st- – it causes even more stress Mm. and that's very anxiety provoking. And then all of that is playing into this. It's like, first of all, your models are off and now you're just getting this increased anxiety. And so I think that's how his model sees it. So that, that means that it's okay. As long as we let people understand that, don't worry if your motto is getting it wrong. Um, it doesn't mean that that something's wrong with you. It could be um, maybe we are get, we have it wrong in our society, and you have you might have a better way of thinking about this. So it's like as opposed to it being one way, there might be multiple ways of thinking about these these solving these problems that humans solved throughout their day Mm. Um, and that's how uh, I think that's how he thinks of it Um, and it's a it's a it's a model of hope for me because um, you lessen the anxiety among the patients and many of the much of the problems deals with this anxiety of people telling them that they're incompetent Mm. and you know how that is how that feels as an adult somebody
1: telling you that you're incompetent like how can you tell me I'm, co- I'm, I'm incompetent so it exacerbates whatever problems exactly that they might initially have it makes them far worse exactly yeah there's also a thing that seems to have I've only known a few people that are schizophrenic but it's it's a disturbing thing when they think that everybody's against them and they feel like they're on their own but by virtue of everyone being against them they feel they feel isolated yes and then they're whatever paranoia they have it's like throwing dry sticks on it, it just rages into a fire and it gets even worse because they think that people are plotting against them and everyone's against them and they don't have anybody comforting them. Yes. And we need that. We all need that. Absolutely. You know, and I just think particularly people with like a slippery version of reality probably need that more than most. Yeah. When you say reality,
0: mm, it might be multiple realities and that's the thing that we need people yeah. to understand or that it's like it's okay. Um, uh, it might be your reality just might be different from theirs. Yeah. But not to the point where uh, you have a different reality and then you're allowed to abuse people. Not, right. So I, I want to be clear because I know there are some people out here saying something about alternative facts. Not, I don't mean it like where you manipulate people. I mean it for people who are struggling uh, like these people with schizophrenia
1: um, just to help lessen their anxiety yeah so with in terms of marijuana particularly like high doses of marijuana um, particularly edible marijuana could really seriously exacerbate someone who has who's kind of hanging on barely anyway and then boom you eat an edible absolutely you're fucked so someone like Alex would say that person's schizophrenia was brought on by marijuana whereas I think you and I would probably agree they were more likely inclined towards schizophrenia anyway and the high dose of marijuana pushed them over the and then you know every well
0: all the, all the evidence says what you just said. Yeah. I mean, so when you look at the evidence where people have done all of these studies, uh, folks who didn't have these predispositions, um, the marijuana didn't uh, doesn't cause people to be schizophrenic or have a psychotic disorder, right? Uh, but it certainly can precipitate. Um, or exacerbate um, 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 psychosis
1: in people who are predisposed. So what I was going to get to was, do you think that maybe for people that have this predisposition towards schizophrenia, they should probably avoid psychoactive substances or avoid something that radically perturbs their version of reality? They probably should avoid cannabis right
0: um i don't want to say avoid everything because um mm,
1: is there anything this yeah i mean of, so like that they could um, maybe use that maybe would help them
0: yeah so like, i spent a little time working in a, in a heroin clinic in geneva and so they give out heroin to these patients twice a day how do they every give it day. To them? Intravenous or oral, however the patient wants it, Uh, but a lot of intravenous heroin users, Um, and it's all you know, sanitized setting, hospital setting or clinic setting, twice a day. Many of these people um, have psychotic disorders, like diagnosed with uh, schizophrenia, and heroin helps many of them. Yeah, with many of these symptoms, and they feel better. Even more so in some cases than the antipsychotic. Really? Yeah, I talk about this in the new book, in fact. But yeah, this is uh, so I don't want to have this blanket statement that they should avoid psychoactive substances because some might actually be helpful. Um, And um, some other people have tried other drugs. Um, One psychiatrist in the Netherlands uh, gave his patients amphetamines and he swears that it works. Um, but that has to be, um, uh, researched out, but, uh, we'll
1: see, but I, I know cannabis for sure. Uh, I, I wouldn't do that one. You wouldn't do cannabis and perhaps maybe not high levels of amphetamines as well either, right? Because I, I, don't, know. I don't know. You know,
0: I, I will, I would have to, um, um, slowly titrate and see whether or not it worked or whether or not people
1: felt better so this really sort of highlights the need uh for not just like long-term study of of drugs and drug use but also a place where someone can go where they can get real expert advice yeah and maybe even a, a real source a pure source of these drugs and if that happened do you think that the world would have just a totally different understanding of what drugs are and do and what their potentials are?
0: Yes I do. Uh, I think a lot of people around the world have a different understanding.
1: Outside of the United States? Outside
0: of the United States. It's just that we have such a big microphone that we influence a lot of countries um, and their perspectives and their education of their physicians and psychiatrists um and so um but that's what i'm trying to do i'm trying Mm -hmm. to change it i'm trying to open up minds in my field
1: and abroad um another problem with things being illegal is that it props up organized crime right and this is a, a giant problem with the fact that look that's what they had in prohibition it propped up the mob I mean that's really what brought up the mafia is the fact yeah. that they made so much money off of selling booze. Yeah, and now we're dealing with a situation where it's really just organized crime that's bringing these drugs into the country.
0: Yep, yep. Um, so um, I have a friend who was a big time uh, dealer um back in the seventies and the eighties, and so he talks a lot about how the dealers had this sort of pride in their products and then when the sort of real gangsters got in the field they didn't really care about the quality of their product they just wanted to move weight like a walmart they just like cheap products you know the quality doesn't really matter just move product um and so for me that's the bigger concern That when the big guys get involved in this sort of field, um, the quality goes down. And that means that the consumer is getting is being put at greater risk. I don't mind people making money illegally. That's fine. I mean, you do what you do to uh, take care of your family, especially if you're making people happy with your product. If you're if you have some pride in the quality, that's fine. Um, so I'm not upset per se that we have these cartels, uh, controlling the market. I'm more upset that they don't care about the quality.
1: I, I, I get it. It was just, it's a funny perspective. You know, all these <laughs> the problems, these cartels, not the violence and the murder and all the money and the, the fucking narco songs while they're holding gold plated <laughs> AK 47s. The problem is there's no to pride in in their meth. <laughs> well, Joe, you know you said <laughs> like that. Well,
0: <laughs> but you you know uh, the violence and the crime goes away when you take away the intensity of the law enforcement. Yes. All that yes. goes away. Yeah, it does. And so we are the cause of the violence and so like we certainly are when it
1: regards to mexico yeah yeah
0: it's 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 us the folks who are saying more law enforcement more law enforcement Mm -hmm. all you're doing is putting law enforcement at risk and also other people at risk it's like all right let's control this market
1: yeah yeah um there's a show called trafficked and how do you say maria's last name from trafficked jamie What's the correct pronunciation? Sorry. Van Zeller. Van Zeller. Van Zeller. Um, she's brilliant. And she um, runs a show where she went to Columbia, went with the people that were making the cocaine, like literally saw them make it, asked them about it, walked with them when they carried it on their back, walked with them. And she's trying to like find out like how all these things are made and where, where all these things come from. And when you, you see it from the source and you see like the dangers these people have to go through in order to get this stuff to America and you you realize like how everything's being made and that all of this is just because it's illegal in the United States. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. And if it was legal in the United States, there would be a legitimate business running it. They would have standards yeah. and unions. Yeah. It would be just like a Budweiser yeah. plant. Remember yeah. Laverne and Shirley used yeah. to work at the yeah. Milwaukee brewery yep. 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 Yeah, yep. I mean, yep. that was a drug... Den, trust were, me, I know yep, they were making absolutely. drugs, but it was so wholesome, And American. That's right, so normal. Look at yeah, them there, right. just making a little beer. No big deal. They're they're <laughs> getting people fucked up. And those guys are out there beating their wives. I mean, that is. <laughs> wait, 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 hold not, on. <laughs> I'm joking around I'm joking i enjoy beer and i don't beat my wife but this is the way we have these preconceived notions about legality versus illegality like if something's legal it must be good if something's illegal it must be, be bad, bad. Yeah. and the fact that the use and the demand has not gone down because of illegal illegalization that's right no it's 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 as high as it's ever been people are doing plenty of coke absolutely and they're getting it in in weird sneaky ways and people's putting their lives at risk and the people that are being victimized are the people that are so poor that they have to work as mules and they have to put their lives in danger and try to sneak across the border with backpacks full of coke and it's really crazy absolutely it's crazy that's right and the people who are getting
0: caught are the low-level people while the people who are really making the money they're not putting themselves
1: at yeah. that kind of risk, so absolutely. It's, it's really, yeah. really fascinating how this problem has persisted for so many decades, and yet there's no real solutions, and there's no real progress. Oh, oh there are solutions. But I mean, yep. solutions that are being implemented. Yeah,
0: I know, I know because too many people are benefiting, uh, and so, um, so when we think about this sort of drug war, if you will, um, law enforcement benefits, We spend $40 billion a year on this kind of thing. Most of the money goes to law enforcement, prison industry, the sort of businesses that have been built up around that, like phone companies, all of them, they make a lot of money from this. Politicians, they uh, look like they are really serving their population because they're bringing law enforcement jobs or whatever. Um, they're all benefiting. And then the big players in the drug game, they're benefiting because the more regulation, the less likely their competition will be able to get in the game. So they keep the game locked down. There are a number of people who are benefiting. Uh, parents don't have to educate their kids about drugs, uh, that's one less thing they have to do. So they, they feel like uh, they're benefiting um me as a scientist i have to think about my own role uh i got multi-million dollar grants to study the drug problem um i benefited uh from this whole this whole thing um so a lot of people are benefiting that's why we continue it and we we oftentimes don't talk about all of us
1: who have benefited from this yeah it's a it's a weird weird conundrum that doesn't seem to have a, a way out. There's a way out? I, I I know, but I'm saying, like, there's no no one's proposed this way out. No one's implementing this way out. It's just, you you know, if you were in law enforcement, if you work for the DEA, and you're looking at this, you're like, Jesus Christ, this is not going away. I'm not putting a dent in this thing. Well, I don't think
0: you're looking at it like this. You're looking at it like, Jesus Christ, I got a lot of overtime this week. That's oh. how I think you're looking at it.
1: I don't want to believe that.
0: You, you, well, I'm sorry. Well,
1: I... Santa Claus ain't no, I really... Th- Listen, <laughs> that show Traffic showed yeah. it to me. One of the things she did was uh, she, um, she found out that a lot of the guns that are coming in to Mexico from the United States were being supplied by Los Angeles Police Department. There was a guy who worked for the Los Angeles Police Department was selling guns to this guy who was trafficking them, bringing them across the border. Because you can go to Mexico easily. The show is fantastic. Yeah, uh, It's called Traffic. It's okay, on you know. uh, Science Channel you got to pull up a page of it so we can see it. It's on regular TV? Yes. Oh. It's, she's so car- Nat Geo. I'll, but, I'll we'll check see. it out
0: because, you know, I have, try- I have avoided these shows because they glorify
1: police action too often in these things. Mariana Van Zeller. I don't know why I always fuck up her name. It's too exotic for my stupid mouth, but uh, she—that lady right there—is so out. badass. I'll check it out. They're, they're so, like watching the show, like made my hands sweat. I was like, Jesus Christ! I will check it out. She's, um, she's so courageous. But mm. it's they, they, they look into all sorts of things being trafficked in the, in, in whether it's cocaine, steroids, guns, all these different things. But the, the disturbing part of the guns thing was knowing how easy it is to bring something into Mexico because there's no real border checks Mm. to go through. You just go through. They don't care if you're going into Mexico. Just coming out. They're just filling up their trunk With AK-47s and guns and all kinds of ammo and they're just bringing it over to Mexico. Yeah, see I wasn't aware of this Yeah, it's the show is nuts But the the, her Mariana going to Colombia like literally going to the actual labs in the jungle where they make the cocaine Watching them make the cocaine seeing them process it with all these chemicals Yeah, and then put it in backpacks and then she hikes out with them takes like a day to hike it out Yeah, she hiked out with them with the coke. Yeah put her life in danger to do this
0: yeah no that's um yeah that's quite courageous of her uh but she's also uh doing it for her ratings too and so well she's
1: a she's a journalist yeah i mean she's an investigative journalist you could be cynical and say she's doing it for her ratings and she certainly is yeah but she's also doing it to tell a real story She's also, she, she exposed um, the OxyContin business in Florida. She had a show a long time ago called the OxyContin Express where they showed that they have these pain management centers that are connected to a pharmacy. So there's a doctor in the pain management center that goes, well, you know, you need OxyContin. Good thing for you. There's an OxyContin store right next door. And so they'd give them a prescription that's all they prescribed, and they would go right next door to the pain management center, and they would get their Oxy's.
0: No, I I get it. And and Florida uh, was known for that. I, I get it. And what they have done, and they have made it difficult for people who are in legitimate pain to now get Oxycontin or any other opioid-based pain medication based on the behavior, bad behavior, of a few individuals. And so, I mean, I get it. I, I mean, I understand, like, yep, those people were misbehaving. Uh, my concern is that um, now they have ruined it for all of these people who are in legitimate pain um, based on this sort of extreme outlier. That So that's just... Uh, um that that worries me but i will check it out i'll check
1: it i understand, out. understand what you're saying yeah mm. there was uh, a problem getting pills in uh massachusetts and a lot of people were turning to straight heroin what they thought was straight heroin but a lot of the heroin was uh cut it, with fentanyl yeah that that seems to be a real problem yeah right? that's
0: a real problem i mean i worry about the heroin supply in the united states for that reason like in new york it's almost impossible to get heroin without fentanyl
1: these days. Really? Yeah. So, uh, is it because it's cheaper, is that what it is? Yeah.
0: It's, uh, you know, think about the bulk of bringing cannabis into the country versus bringing cocaine. You right. know, uh, the same sort of thing. You got now you don't have to, you have as much product and it's a lot more potent. So, yeah. that's just, uh, it's easier for the
1: traffickers to do. Uh-oh. Has any politician ever brought you in for a legitimate discussion about the potential methods that they could legalize these drugs?
0: I have not really talked to any politicians about drugs in the United States, but in Brazil and other countries, absolutely. And but
1: what do they say when you tell them that things should be legal?
0: Um, they agree. Um, and um, they talk about the difficulties of changing public opinion, because, as you know, politicians don't lead. They just kind of follow. Um, so the work is really done on the ground, convincing the population, um, like with cannabis. Like, it's not the politicians who, is, who are leading with legalizing cannabis. It's the people. So we have to do the work with the constituents and so uh that's what i'm trying to do uh but but not one american politician has talked to me about drugs not one not one i find that quite incredible uh like when i go to other countries um former president of switzerland for example she's a dear friend um um uh, talk to her about drug policies all the time she agrees with my drug policy in fact, that she's been out front trying to change drug policy. Um, so, yeah. do you think it's
1: just too radioactive politically in America right now? That like people, too many people have this preconceived notion of drugs being bad, addiction being a real problem, uh, opiate scourge ruining the country. That if you offer an alternative narrative, not enough people are going to buy it because too many people have already subscribed to the what we just described, and so it would be bad for you politically. It certainly would be bad for you politically as a politician.
0: Yes. Um, And so you don't have to necessarily be out there saying that as a politician. What you do is just try to get the best answers privately and then you figure out. Because you have staff and you know how to move the population, you figure out how to do these things without um potentially committing political suicide, yeah, uh, but they don't even do that they do, because it's really not in their best interest. I mean, the opioid crisis is like a political wet dream to these people um
1: because they, they can offer solutions. Oh, they can talk about it. Right. It's earnest Right, and, right, right. They really care. Right. Yeah, we have to do something. That's I'm right. here to help. That's right. And then
0: they don't have to talk about the fact that the all those factories that left Ohio, those factories that left Maine, those factories that left West Virginia, they don't have to talk about that. Right. They can talk about the opioids. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And that's the real problem. All of those factories that left. One thing I think you are doing, though, is because you're so brave about this and you're upfront and so honest about it, and also, obviously, like, you have a a deep knowledge of the subject, is you're getting this narrative out there, and then more people are going to, they're going to hear this, and they're going to say to their friends, you know, I was listening to Dr. Carl Hart, and he had this, you know, he has a different perspective. You should listen to this. The guy, you know what he's saying? He does heroin sometimes. I'm like, What? he does heroin, you know, like there's these conversations are going to happen. Whereas like that used to be the thing with pot. Yeah. Like people would say, you smoke pot, oh, what are you, a loser? Like, no, just because some losers smoke pot doesn't mean pot makes you a loser. Yeah. That's Damn a, it. That's a, Yeah. That's good. That's a good SAT question. Yeah. yeah. Does pot make you a loser or do some losers smoke pot? A or B? <laughs> yeah. I mean it's um there's not a lot of people like you out there i really appreciate you i appreciate your your courage you know i appreciate what you do man and i really appreciate you like uh giving
0: me a place to like come and find my people the first time i came on the podcast Cash, you said uh yeah you like one of us and then i was like i really understand what that means after having traveled around the world and people come up to me and say yeah, I heard
1: you on the Joe Rogan podcast, and it's like, okay, I'm at home. I got all right. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, you are a reasonable person that's willing to discuss things for what they are. Yeah. That's what I mean. You, mm-hmm. you, and you, even though you're an academic, you got these long dreads. You're a cool guy. I feel like I can hang out with you. There's a lot of academics I have on the show. I'm like, nice to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. But because I mean, they're great to talk to, but they're 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 in their world, and that's where they live. Whereas I feel you because I'm... I'm there. I mean, yeah.
0: at work, you know. Yeah. Um, that's my life. You yeah, know? <laughs> that is your life.
1: But you're you're doing a great thing. You really are, because there's this could go on forever without someone like you. It really could. I mean, the, this the narrative that we all have bought into, including me. You know, someone who hasn't done coke, hasn't done heroin. Um, it you, you you get it in your head that everyone who uses it must be ruining their life, and then you talk to you, and you're like, no, it's wonderful, and they're like, wait a minute. You know, and everybody who's listening to this right now is probably a lot of people are like me. When you first exposed me to these thoughts, I was like, hmm, okay, I have to rethink heroin use, which I never really thought I had to do before.
0: Yeah. No, I'm glad you did, man. I'm I'm so happy you did. And I hope other people do the same sort of thing. And, you know, it's a lovely thing for me. It's really good pressure because I'm out here as a heroin user and all other kinds of drug user. So it means that I have to make sure that I am particularly responsible Mm. because any negative thing that I do will be attributed to drugs, you know. And so that's the I like that kind of pressure. You know, it makes me produce it. uh, makes sure I'm a better person. All of those kinds of things. So do you often have debates with people about these kind of things? No, man, I don't do that kind of shit. I mean, I I don't I, I don't. You know, I don't like that whole performance thing. I mean, mm-hmm. when I first came on this show, I remember I was talking really fast. Blah, blah blah. You was like, "Yo, uh this ain't like that five minute that you get on those <laughs> shows." <laughs> you was like, those you can, "CNN shows." Yeah, you said you can chill, man. So, those are the worst. Yeah, I know. So that that's how I feel about debates. You know. Yeah, so it's like I you, yeah, I'd rather yeah. just like uh uh if I'm gonna do something on drugs. I don't want to be there with some other idiot. I don't want to do it. Um, um, if you give each of us 30 minutes to make a presentation or something, cool. But like us going back and forth,
1: I'm not doing that. kind of I understand. Of thing. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. 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 Well, you don't have to. Yeah. You know yeah. <laughs> you just get your word out the 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 marketplace of ideas will decide whether or not people appreciate what you're saying, but i do i, yeah. I do very much so, yeah. and uh your book's available right now, ladies did you do an audio version of it? I did it, man, I did it myself. Yeah. beautiful, I'm glad you did it. I hate <sighs> when people hire a actor or a voice actor to do an audio version of their book when someone has no connection to the material, but I gotta tell you man i i I came away with a
0: dramatically higher opinion of actors <laughs> uh, i mean it's some difficult shit i oh, yeah. wrote every word in there and it was really hard to like get the feel and the mood because when i was writing i always have music you know and that always like gets me to the place or some psychoactive substance so it gets me to the place but reading, I was just reading, and then, <laughs> um, and and then a lot of the book too is emotional. And then you're in the studio with somebody you don't know, right. and I want to cry, and I am crying because some of the material is deeply personal. And then you got this person in the studio who's like, "Okay, you did that one wrong," you know, and, and don't understand that this is like you know yeah
1: my dog died or this happened to my son you know right so yeah that's gotta be weird right some some producer guy carl can we do that one again please yeah yeah it's like carl you went off script a little bit you mispronounced some word
0: which i do and it's like also i try to have a little flavor in my voice it's like oh, i'm sorry you didn't say that word right or whatever it's like well, that's yeah. how i pronounce
1: it well, that's uh, the yeah. That's the problem with the other person having the script. What it really should be is you're the only one with the script. Yeah, you know, like if that person didn't have it, the producer. If you just said, "Hey, I'd like to get a copy of this, Carl, so I can uh, read along." I, no, 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 no. Sorry, uh, it's only one script. Don't worry, I'll check myself. You just turn that recording button on, and we're good. <laughs> but listen, the book's out now. Drug use for grown-ups. Uh, chasing Liberty in the Land of Fear, Dr. Carl Hart. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you very Thank much. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Go get it, folks. I'm sure it's awesome. Thank you. All right.